Uh, this is Mike Costa, writer of Cobra, and you're listening to Star Joes. From days of long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. Podcast episode 80, the PSA 2012. I'm your host Ryan. And I'm Chuck. And welcome back, everyone. Yes, this is our annual begging for money episode. <laughs> welcome to the telethon. Uh, but no, for those of you that weren't familiar with last year, the PSA episode, uh, every year we try to collect for Toys for Tots. Yeah, we try to pick a charity that we both, you know, like, like, I guess. Well, there's a lot of charities we like, but... The other ones we hate. We both, yeah, we hate every charity. <laughs> that we both agree upon, and it kind of represents the show with right. toys. And, you know, every kid should have a toy at Christmas, so... Yep. We do support the Toys for Tots, yep. openly. Uh, the, the Marine Corps. Yep. Fits with G.I. Joe as well. And what we do is, uh, from the, the point of this episode coming up, up until the end of November... So the very last day of November, maybe the first week in December. It's sketchy. Maybe, uh, maybe not. Maybe not because we need to. We need time. We to need buy to get it. the toys to the Marines and stuff. Yeah, and they need to have it by the first week in December. Yeah. So the very last day of November, uh, any donations you make to the website will go towards buying toys for Toys for Tots. One hundred percent of those donations, we keep none of it. It's zero. In fact, so, in fact, because PayPal takes a portion out of it. What I do is I make up for that with my own money. So that's go. part of my donation is that whatever you guys donate, I try to round out to what it would have been if PayPal had not taken out their little chunk of change. So, right. And what we basically do with the money that we collect is we go to 
Toys R Us, Walmart, Target, Target. whoever's having a good sale. Good deals on figures. Buy some action figures, some toys for some kids, drop it off at the local Marine Corps. And we usually try to focus, I mean, not always, but we do try to usually focus on the properties we cover. So we look for some good deals on Transformers, G.I. Joe, Star Wars, Wars, stuff like that. It's all action figures, so, um, I mean... Keeping keeping the lines alive. Keeping the keeping it alive for future generations. Right. So um, so whatever you can give would be great. Uh, we have not done so yet, but we will be reaching out to some of our uh, professional friends to see if there's anything they can donate. They're certainly not obligated to, no, no, but no. if they want to help out, that'd be. But great. if they want to help out that way, they can do so. And then we'll so we'll have some auctions like we did last year. And last year we had uh, the great Robert Atkins donate two pieces last right. year. Right. We put them on eBay. Right. And the money that was raised from the proceeds of that went to Toys for Tots. Right. And the piece was mailed right from Robert Atkins to... To the, that person. To the, that person. I don't know if it was a listener of the show that won it or who it was, but... but thank you, yeah. Whoever won it, was it was awesome. Uh, what we will do uh, is last year when I put it up that it was for a charity on eBay, they were like, because your, your listing lists words like charity... Uh, you must go through their channel and everything else. Yeah. So all that means is that this year I'm not going to put the words charity in there. But <laughs> it might be replaced with nonprofit. <laughs> um, but that's what it is. We'll, so, we'll reach out and see if we can get some cool prizes. And we'll have uh, if not, I mean, giving is the prize itself. Yeah, and we'll have listings on uh, the, the actual listings from eBay on the forums and on Facebook. We'll post them in both places so this way you guys can find the links and find what's up for sale. Uh, it's usually not a lot of items. It's like I said, it's usually just one or two or three items, something like that. Yeah, no, it's not. Um, you know, terrible. But, it's not a. So we're not Jerry Lewis. Yeah, terrible telephone. But again, if you can give five dollars, you can give ten dollars. Whatever dollar. If you can give a dollar, it'll help. Yeah. Whatever you can give, and then at the end of it all, like Chuck said, I think last year we had one hundred and thirty dollars, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. So you know, we'd love to surpass that this year. Um, yeah, it's the only time we ask you for money. It's uh, and it's not even for us. So. It's a worthwhile cause. I mean, we'd love money for us. Yeah, money might, for us is good. If you want to give money during the rest of the year for us? That'd be great. But uh, if you want, like I said, if you like the show and you want some way you can thank us for doing the show, the best way is to give during this time period yeah. uh, to give to towards Toys for Tots. And we also had people last year that didn't donate, but they let us know that they donated their own stuff. To Toys for Tots. Yeah, they donated toys on behalf on of their, us on, on their, their own. own. Yeah, like I was, I was going to give to you guys, but I decided to go out and donate some toys. That's great too. You know, yeah. let us know. Yeah, uh, be happy because this time of year, the holiday season. I mean, it's it's good if you have the capabilities and you have the means to donate and help out other families who may not this this holiday season. But we also understand the economy economy being the way that it is. It is what it is, and you know your personal finances and your situation better than right. any of us. No one's going to look at anybody any differently. Right. If you give or if you don't give, right. it's it's a personal decision you have to do on your but own. But if you can pass on getting that Duke or Flint figure for this one time and give that 8 bucks or 10 bucks that it would have cost you towards the charity or buy the figure and donate it yeah, rather than keeping it. so um, Or if you pass on a, a, a pumpkin spice latte and... You know, for that week, and you want to give that five bucks to somebody else. Yeah. Or, hell, we were just at uh, TJ Maxx, and we saw some great deals on some figures that have been out at other stores, and they get the Yeah, there's Captain leftovers. America figures there right now for the Captain America movie. What little kid wouldn't like a Captain America figure right. for, like, three or four dollars? Yeah, and they're really cheap figures, so you could do that, too. And, again, let us know. If you went out and bought figures yourself that you ended up donating, 
to Toys for Tots. Uh, or maybe you're a collector who's collecting mint on card and you're realizing, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm running out of room. I don't need these. Right. So you take like a bag. First of them contact together. us and let us know you have. <laughs> no. And then you take like a bag of four or five of them and you just donate them to the Marine Corps. Or a, right. your local mall usually has a bin or Toys R Us does. Yeah. I know Toys R Us does. Yeah, absolutely. And the front and you can just donate toys right there. But first contact us. First contact us. <laughs> And that leads us to a little topic that we wanted to talk about was, you know, collecting yeah. uh, figures itself, collecting one, one specific property. property, like pigeonholing your collecting to one certain thing and not yeah. really getting out Cause of just, it. Because just like last year, um, we didn't want to just come out, do an episode and say, okay, here, give us some money. Okay, bye, see y'all, fuck you. Yeah, wow. <laughs> we couldn't even make this one clean. No, we? no. Let's edit that out. <laughs> some children will want to hear this. I don't want children hearing this. Wow. They don't have money. That's true. <laughs> Although they probably have more money than we do. They probably have more than we do. So we're, we're going to talk a little bit about, because uh, there's people out there, I'm not one of them, that buy one property. That's it. That's or they collect they one thing. Maybe they collect yeah. board games. Right. Or maybe they Victor. collect, yeah. Victor, right there, yeah. Victor, look from, look at that. Victor from ETM. That nut job. Look, he's collecting <laughs> board games. He'll hear this like eight years from now when yeah. he gets caught up. When he finally episodes. gets caught up. Or maybe you collect, uh, you know, Magic the Gathering cards, or what's that right, other Right, because you're crazy, right. What's that other card game? Um, Risk. No. Yeah. <laughs> old Maid. Yeah, Old Maid. Spades. Maybe you collect Hero Clicks, you know, whatever. Right. Maybe it does not even a toy or an action figure you collect, but you collect puzzles, right? I don't really collect puzzles. I do puzzles. Well, you have a lot of them. I have a lot of them. But after you work it, but, do you keep it? No, we give them away. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So. Maybe um, you don't give them away. Maybe you're hoarding puzzles in your basement. Yeah, no. Whatever. Let's talk about that. <laughs> no, my wife and I like to do puzzles and uh, jigsaw puzzles. Yeah, uh, she likes doing all kinds of puzzles. Like she likes, she gets like Games Magazine. And she yeah. likes doing all the puzzles in there. He crossword. calls her the puzzler. I don't, Cro- I don't crossword get it. puzzles. Call her the Riddler. Mm. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, once we do a puzzle, like we real after a while, it sits there for a while, and then it goes back in the box. You and look at the, your accomplishment. Yeah, and then the box sits there for a while, and you go, "Why are we holding on to this? I'm not going to do this. Yeah, puzzle I'm not going to do it again. Yeah, so." So we usually donate them. Yeah, some people will take them and they'll, you know, put them on a board or you yeah. know, something to hang it up. And my dad does that. Yeah, some people do. Yeah. So uh, we just haven't found any worthwhile to say yet because we like doing these fun ones. They're like sure. I think they're called crowd pleasers or something like that. And it's like it's like all these. It's almost like a Where's Waldo. It's like all these yeah. cartoony people and yeah, you're losing me. They're just they're fun to do. You're losing the audience. Bring well, it back. Bring no, it back to toys. It's because you don't like puzzles. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Bring it back to toys. Chuck doesn't like anything that requires his mind working. At all. That's why he doesn't like regular books, because he has to actually put the pictures in his head. I just don't like puzzles at all. <laughs> Some this people is not do. A good, Some people do. It's not a good use of my time. Some people do. Some people uh, collect just G.I. Joe. Right. Like Gary. Like Gary. From, from What's on Joe Mine. Yeah. Couldn't do that. Well, he buys those Marvel figures, too. But basically, it's G.I. Joe. But those Joe. are three and three quarter also. Right. Basically, it's G.I. Joe. Yeah. I couldn't I, I couldn't do it. Just one one property. Well, and then there's like even just properties. There's some people that just just get Batman. Yeah, they just collect Batman. They narrow it, it down to I want Batman, and it and can like be not even anything. And it well, and then some people don't even want like Joker or like they just want they just want, want Batman. the Batman. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, any version of Batman they get. Like I've seen people that have had uh, Skeletor collections. I've like, seen people had Yoda collections. Well, that makes sense. Skeleton coll- Skeletor collections, though, however. Skeleton collection. Skeleton. Yeah. Keep them in your closet. Jack Skeleton. <laughs> hey, now. Um, no, I've seen people with just a Skeletor collection, and I'm like, yeah. wow, that's really specific. Yeah. And you figure not a lot's coming out. 
Yeah. Um, but I mean, there, not that there hasn't well, been. Even a lot. with Batman, I mean, some people will buy like um, Batman fruit roll-ups or Batman right. fruit snacks, and they'll keep that box in their collection. Yeah, crazy. because it has Batman on it. That's crazy. They'll buy Batman toothpaste and they'll just leave it because it's Batman. Yeah. yeah. No. That's singling it down to one thing. And that's that's when you're, like, collecting everything of that one thing. Everything, yeah. Like... A book, a kid's book, a pillow, right. uh... Like when... Bed sheets. Like, the person that collected Batman yeah. and the Dark Knight movies came out were, was screwed. Well, sure, royally. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, like, breathing a little bit more now. It's like, well, it's like if you collect Star Wars and you, with the movies that are coming out, oh. again, I mean, that just ramps up There's all that stuff. There's movies coming out? Well, they're re-releasing... Uh, oh yeah, yeah. All the the, right. the other In movies, 3D, right. yeah. So I mean, there's going to be you know, breakfast cereals. There's going to be C three PO's. No, remember they put the pens, oh, you know, like yeah, the cinnamon yeah, toast yeah, yeah, crunch yeah. and yeah. cocoa puffs and all that jazz. I got a C three PO. I got I got like two of C three PO's. Yeah, and I think I got a Darth Maul. Was that one? Of them? Or Padme? Or I don't remember. I didn't get a Darth Maul. Uh, Happy Meal toys. Some people yeah. just collect Happy Meal toys. Yeah, That's which is you know crazy. Hey, they're cheap. Sure, and it's easy to collect, and they're sometimes they're Disney I don't know properties. If it's easy to collect. Well, I mean, if you go every week when they're offered, sure. But you have to be, you have to be on that schedule, yeah. Or have a guy there and just buy them for you, right? You know, like Nick. Yeah. <laughs> True. Um, Make friends with a manager, you know. Yeah. All right, so we've talked before about. Have you if, collected anything as a kid like that? Just one thing? No. <laughs> no, no, no. No, I had... You heard when we were talking with Roger about, like, some of the obscure properties and everything else. I, I mean, had, not like... Even obscure. I mean, even, like, a teenager. I know when you're going through, uh, you know, your teenage years, you might not have a lot of money. Right. You might be on your own going to college. Maybe you got one book, the Green Lantern book, and that was it. Um, no, actually... It, for me, most of my life, it's been either I'm getting a lot of different things or I'm getting nothing. Okay. So, like, when I was in college, I didn't get comics. I didn't get action figures. I didn't get anything. Yeah, I hear you. I, not, I got video games. That was the only only thing Some I ever got. people collect video games, yeah. But Or systems, video game systems. Right. But that's because that's what I was playing in college. I played against my friends and stuff like that. And we would, so I'd get video games. But, again, I only got them, like, for Christmas and birthday because I couldn't afford them. Yeah, those. yeah. So, plus I had a girlfriend, so. You're not, like, there went the money. I collected girlfriends. Nice. Body parts? No. Show me your drawer no. of pinky fingers again. <laughs> That's always a plus. No. It um, smells real bad. Wow. What? No, it's okay. So so we talked about, uh, in the past, like, collecting... If you had to collect just one property, so it would be Star Wars. Star Wars, Which would yeah. be the same for, for me. Yeah. Um, and I would focus that collecting on Star Wars. It would be hard to focus just on the original trilogy. Well, I was going to say, if you had... Because <coughs> I like the clones so much. If you had to focus on just one... Think like what would your focus be if you had to take Star Wars and narrow it down even further? Oh, original trilogy. So you would go like that's still pretty broad. I'm just saying like, but that's as would that be as narrow as you could go reasonably? Yeah, I don't or? think I could ever focus it down to just Darth Vader and that's it. Right. Okay. I or just X-wing pilots. Or what about it. like troopers and that's it? Nah. I mean, I could probably because you get your Commander Cor- Cody, you get your. Yeah, or Commander Corey, whatever I said. Corey, <laughs> or Captain Corey. Rex, yeah. you know, Commander um, Fox, all Gree. Yeah. yeah, I could I could leave out I could leave out expanded universe. I could leave out new trilogy, but the old trilogy is where I would have to stop, and I would have to just collect everything. Okay, like that. so everything old 
old trilogy, original trilogy. Yeah. Would you? Would it be have to be Star Wars or like I have the Muppets as Star Wars figures, but their original trilogy Star no, Wars characters? I no, I would. So you wouldn't branch out like that. No. Then it would be. It would have to be Lucas released. You know, I'm lining Star his pockets Wars. somehow. Yes. Okay. Um, now, now would be, you remain to figures, or could you? Would you expand to? Like figures and vehicles, or would you expand to other things? I, I think I would expand to other things because that's all I'm collecting. I would like, like statues, statues, and... prop replicas, autographs, photos. Okay, because um, that's a lot. Sure, that's why I would focus on that. <laughs> that would that would eat it up. Like if I only had to collect my second one, obviously Masters mm-hmm. of the Universe. If I had to focus just on Masters of the Universe and give up everything else. There's a pretty narrow window of what's available out there. Right. And then that's it. Would you narrow yourself further? Could you narrow yourself further in Masters of the Universe? Like, could you go, like, I'm doing just 2000X, or could you do, like, vintage only, original line? Wow. Would you be able to do that? If I did 2000X, I could probably pretty much buy a couple more pieces and quit. <laughs> I pretty much have all the rest. Well, and right? that, that well, that'll be another question we can get into. But um, as what about the, what about this question? Uh, just to jump off of it, have you ever completed a collection? Well, that's collecting now. Well, that no, that <laughs> that was going to be my other thing. Was, I think that's part of our problem. That was going to be my other. We're thing. We're never complete, right? That was gonna be my other thing. Is that let's say you. I think that's why I picked Star could, Wars because I know I would never. You could never. You can never complete Star Wars, but let's say you went Vintage Master of the Universe okay. or 2000X Master of the Universe, where there's a finite amount. Like there's I, an amount. And that's like it. I have the, the Muppets Palisades. There's a finite amount. Now, granted, there's some pieces I might never have, yeah. but there's a finite amount. Yeah. Could you? There's a start and stop. Can you stop? Like once you've gotten everything, would you sit back and go, "Wow, okay, cool, I got them all." And then stop. I think the way I am and the way I'm wired, I would have to find something else. Right. Now, if it was only Muppets and I got all the Muppets Palisades there was, then I would probably start looking at those Muppet Star Wars figures. Right. And I would lean to that. Maybe I would get, like, uh, books about Muppets. Um, plushies. Plushies and furries. <laughs> um, Muppet t-shirts. It's maybe Muppet photos. Skin a Muppet. <laughs> yeah. Muppet photos, yeah. you know. Uh, books. You'd get one of those uh, make-your-own-Muppet Guys. Yeah, kids' books, you right. know, whatever. It, it would just branch off from there. And then there... See, there's so much stuff to branch off of. Even if you just collected, say, Batman or Spider-Man or Nightwing, even a more yeah. obscure character right. than that. But he's not too obscure. Right. Even if you just collected Nightwing, there's so many ways to go with then that. Then do you branch into Robin? Because yeah. he was Robin. you you got comic books. You've got action figures. You've probably got... And he... Would you'd have to venture to guess you're going to pick up every appearance of him? Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be just like the Nightwing series. You're going to pick up Nightwing and Teen Titans. You're going to pick Nightwing. Yeah, because he crossed over. In a Batman sure. issue when he appeared in a Superman issue. I know. think that's how we're wired as collectors. We just keep collecting until there's until, until we, we stop explode. until we die. <laughs> I don't know if you can turn it off. I would say that I'm having a little bit easier time right now turning things off because I mentioned to you the one day I came into work and I was like, well, you're going to be proud. I'm going to start collecting Masters of the Universe. Then I started setting things up in my room and I realized I have no room for Masters of the Universe anywhere. I'm going to get a He-Man to put on my Battle Cat and that's it. And it's not to say Masters of the Universe isn't cool and it's not that I wouldn't want it, but I have no place to put 
another collection of stuff. And I even said to you I was going to limit it down to like 10 figures, but even 10 figures, I don't have room for 10 more figures. I know. And like, I'm at a point right now, it's like the realization of me setting stuff up is making me realize how little space I have yeah. to actually display stuff. Well, I mean, you're displaying everything in the studio room, and then there's a like a basement, basement area, right? That you could display other stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's no doubt that I have plenty of space to display a lot of stuff. It's not like, oh, what was me? I've got one little shelf, and that's where I'm displaying everything, mm-hmm. and that's it. But even with that, I just, it made me realize, crap, I've got a buttload of stuff, and yeah. I don't know where I'm going to put all of it. So once I've displayed everything that I can display, I was talking with uh, Sam, uh, straight edge He-Man from the forums. And I said to him, I said, once I've displayed everything, I'm going to grab one tub and anything I absolutely want to keep because I might swap it out one day, I'm going to put in that tub. Anything that doesn't go in that tub, it's getting sold. Yeah. And it's just, and there's going to be very little pieces that I buy going forward from that point. I think I'm almost at that point too. And it's, it's just one of those things, like, I don't have the room. Like, like we talked about the last episode, I put up the playsets for the Muppets Palisades and I realized... Crap, those playsets just took up that whole shelf. Yeah. Now i got to put figures on the, in those playsets, and I can fit three, maybe four figures per playset. That's it. The backstage playset, maybe five or six. Five, yeah. But that's it, and that's all I can fit. So now I have a shelf in my closet. Well, without it looking be, extremely cluttered, yeah. Right. So now in my closet, I'm going to put other figures from the Muppets Palisades. I'm not getting rid of my Muppets Palisades at all. Yeah. Those will be ones I'll put in that tub. That the ones I can't fit in the closet shelf or on the main bookshelf uh, that I have in here. Yeah. Then those rest of them will go into that tub, and that's switch them out. That's all I keep, and I'll switch them out. But I've got to start looking to just unload stuff, and that's the thing too. It's tough because we do a show where we're talking about collections and all that type of stuff. Yeah, and you see all the new stuff that comes out, and it looks like, oh, awesome. Catches your eye, and it looks pretty good, and. Got it. And the superhero movies don't do help us. No, no. It's like, oh man, Avengers movie. I got to have some Avengers stuff. And and the Batman thing, movie. I got to have some Batman. And stuff. the thing is, too, is we have a lot of listeners that are just starting their collections. Yeah. And we've caused some of that. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. <laughs> but it's like there's a big difference. And when they hear that, oh, we're going to be cutting back on our collecting, and then we're going to be actually getting rid of stuff. They're like, oh, you know, I've we've had people that have said like. Oh, that's kind of sad to hear that you guys are going to like stop, but it's like because I'm just starting, and it's like, well, yeah, but you have to realize like how much stuff I have. You don't see all the stuff I have, the thousands of Star Wars figures, right? I have, yeah, and that's the thing too. I mentioned to you, I'm going to go. I have a, two tubs full of Star Wars figures. Like mm. they're small tubs, but they're still full, and I'm going to lay them all out, and I'm going to pick figures to keep and then the rest are all going and those ones I keep are going to be ones I actually display yeah well I was telling you like the Columbus Toy Show maybe we set up a table and just sell it all or Mm -hmm. even get a table at like Super Show or something yeah just sell it all yeah wherever we decide to go yeah and everything must go (laughs) price to sell and the thing is I'm not going to get rid of pieces that cost me a lot to get or that I had to really hunt down like I said, those are the pieces that go in a tub. They, you know, I'll swap them out occasionally and everything else. But I can't get rid of something like the five uh, multicolored green lanterns of Hal Jordan that were a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive because I worked hard to get all of those to find them at decent prices and everything else. Yeah. And now that I have them all, it's like it was an accomplishment. I don't want to get rid of them now. 
Um, same thing, like, I got the Starro. But you still know in your mind you still got it and what you paid for it, so... Yeah, but it's not the same as having it anymore. Do you need that physical proof that you have? Well, I'm probably going to display those ones, let's oh, face well, it. Well. <laughs> but it's like, I also got, like, Super Grover. Yeah. I don't... I can't fit Super Grover on that shelf. I probably will fit it in here, but if I can't... I'm not going to get rid of Super Grover, the Muppets Palisades yeah, Super Grover. Yeah, put it on the desk. It's only one. Yeah. But then that's when you start heading down that path of, it's only one more, it's only one more. Well, that's what you did with the Muppets, yeah. Well, and that's what I did with a lot of my collection. That's what I have, why I have a lot of my collection. Like, yeah. I have those Sektar figures. Oh, yeah. I have yeah. two like that. They're that big with the giant wings and everything else. And I'm like, it's really cool, but... At the end of the day... Where do I fit that? It's a Sektar. Where am I going to put it? Right. So, I well, like I mean, them. You could probably sell that for some decent coin. It's pretty good shape. Yeah, looks good. Yeah, no, it's in good shape. Not pull it over. It's not one that I had as a kid, so it's not like I have sentimental value to it. <laughs> but I had the dragonfly downstairs. Yeah. And now, see, for me, that's the stuff kid. that I had as a kid that would make it harder to sell because, right. especially if it was mine as a kid, right? It was like that's my sectar I had as a kid. Yeah, it's pretty it's creepy. Yeah, don't touch me with it. <laughs> creepy crawlies. Um, this is I don't even remember what it's name is that's how much I really know about it yeah um it's like a it's a big fly. it's a big tarantula oh, with wings and a purple guy with a whip right and it doesn't even work it's it has a switch on it that was supposed to like operate the wings but it doesn't work so I just I bought it on eBay because I had sectars as a kid and I was like well I'll get this for the show and we'll probably cover when we cover sectars I'll probably still have the figures at least but I might not have the little puppet guys because yeah. that is the thing you did with the sectars is you stuck your hand into the, these larger ones and they became puppets. Well, it's like a vehicle, yeah. Yeah, you, so your fingers became the legs of the uh, of the creature. So, so this this was the giant tarantula with wings, and he was the bad guy. Yeah. Again, I, the names escaping me right now as far as what they were called. The character names were called creature man, but. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things that's like, okay, now what do I do with them? Because the wingspan on this is, what, a foot and a half? <laughs> it's yeah. a good from one wing to the other. Right? Yeah. So, well, if you had to go down to one property that we cover, what would you go down to? Star Wars. Really? I'd have to. Star Wars has been there my whole life. It's, nice. It's the one thing I would go down to. What if it's something we don't cover? What would you pick? Something we don't cover? Yeah. Like Batman or something like that? Or Probably Green Lantern. Green Lantern. Yeah. I, since I've collected so many of them already, um, I have the one four pack sitting over there. Yeah, I see. grab that. Uh, got lots oh, of blackest night. It's the blackest yeah. night four pack. It's got Hal Jordan with the half blue, half green uh, costume. That's when he was wearing one of each ring: one blue ring, one green ring. I always had said when I saw that in the comics, I was like, I wish they'd made a figure that looked like that, and sure enough, they did. In this big box set. Someone was listening to me, except they put it in a big box set rather than individual. individual. Um, but that's okay, because I like the characters that they did in, uh, in the box set, because you got Indigo Lantern Monk. And did you read what the deal is with the Indigos? No. Okay, I won't spoil it for you. It's really good. Then you have Star Sapphire, uh, Star Sapphire that's Fatality, which... I don't really care for what they did with her because I have uh, the fatality figure. Have her half dressed. I like that. Well, sure. Yeah, I like that. But the fatality, like she's she's black. Sure. But the fatality figure that was like wearing green and everything else originally, 
not this dark of black. Oh, it's skin so it's like the skin tone is different. Yeah. Who's this one? And then this is the last Blue piece Beetle. is Blue Beetle Ted Cord Blue Beetle as a Black Lantern. So that was a, oh, that's cool. That's a really cool piece. Um, I think a lot of people wish that had been just a single figure because they yeah, would have bought, bought that, that one. Yeah. But it's like it's three figures that I really like, and one figure that mm-hmm. is just. Like the Star Sapphire, I'm like, eh, it's another Star, Star Sapphire. It's Fatality, which I like the character, but I have a figure of the character version that I like of her. But like Monk, I wanted them to make a figure of because I didn't have any other Indigo Lanterns. Well, with, this is a perfect example of you could open it up, get the ones you want out, and sell the other sure. one. Sure. Recoup some sure. of your cost. But, and that's the other thing. I have so many Green Lantern type figures. I'm going to be going through those. And like, I probably have good 12, 13, 14 Hal Jordan figures. Do I need that many Hell Jordan figures? No. I'll pick the best ones, and I'll get rid of the other ones. Like, some of the, my DC Direct ones. Well, or not DC be, Direct, but DC Classic ones. Yeah. I'm like, I don't really need all the DC Classic ones. Well, maybe you could be Hal Jordan collector guy. No. No? No. I like too much of the other characters. <laughs> well, but it's like, you always have the opportunity to, like you said, sell that. Right. Get some of the money and put it towards something else you want to collect, or put it toward Toys for Tots. Right. <laughs> well, and one of the things I plan on doing is I'm going my previous collection stuff as I sell it is going to go towards fi- filling in other collections. Yeah. So like, like I said, there's a few of those Muppets Palisades that I know are very expensive. They're like three, $400 pieces. Yeah. Well, if I sell 20 figures and those 20 figures amount to $300, now I could buy that one figure. Now I've just replaced 20 figures with one figure. Yeah. But it's that one figure I really wanted. Right. So I hear you. I, I, I try to do the same thing. It's it's tough though. I mean, yeah, you see those cool things at the store. It's like, oh wow, look, they made Rocky figures. I will get Rocky and right Drago and Apollo, and I'm done. Right. Well, now I got three figures I really don't need. <laughs> or hey, there's a there's a RoboCop. I like RoboCop. Right. Now I got one figure I really don't need. Right. Well, and that's me with the Ghostbusters. It's not going to fit. Yeah, same thing. I bought those four Ghostbuster figures. Mm-hmm. I really don't want them. See, so if you guys are out there and you want to buy some Ghostbusters, still. <laughs> In the box, carded, hit me up. Yeah. Holler at your boy. I, I, see, I still like having my Ghostbusters because my favorite comedy of all time. Well, that and you got the Marshmallow Man. I don't have the Marshmallow right. Man, but I got I the Marshmallow Man. One I of have, each of the four. One of I each have of the four. All of the all four of the Ghostbusters, and I have different versions of them. Yeah, that will be a display that I have. I already know where it's going, so like I will keep those. Yeah, um, I might not be able to put out. All of the Ghostbusters, but you know, then I put out, I put some in a tub, and then you know, maybe two or three in a tub, and then I swap them out, you know, because I have like Ray Stance, and then I have Ray Stance with the uh, "We're Ready to Believe You" <laughs> outfit, and then I have them with the slime blower on. Well, do I really need to display all three of Ray? No. Probably not, Maybe. but I can swap it out every once in a while. Sure. So. So those are ones I, I would keep, but then I've got like Brainiac sitting over there from the War of the Supermen series, and I'm like, do I really need to keep Brainiac? He's an awesome figure. He looks really cool, yeah. but I've got like three, four versions of Brainiac. Do I need this version of Brainiac? Maybe not. Considering it's not even the Brainiac that's in the new DCU anymore? Probably not. Yeah. The Brainiac I would rather keep is the Brainiac that I have that's... uh more of the classic like super friend style brainiac oh with the shorty shorts on yeah nice yeah so because that's the brainiac <laughs> i grew up with so that's probably the one i would keep 
Yeah. I have the, you know, Justice Brainiac. I have that one where he comes with the scalpel and the little, uh, monkey. little white monkey, albino monkey. Yeah. Uh, probably won't keep that one. You know, <laughs> there's, there's a bunch of stuff that I'm just like, do I really need, need these figures? And the answer is typically no. <laughs> well, it's not a case of need. It's a case of want. Sure. Well, do I want to keep these figures? And I, I, can't I found myself, I found myself looking at older stuff that came out a long time ago, more vintage stuff than opposed to the new stuff that's out now. Oh, see, I'm almost the opposite. Because you can get them so much cheaper for the most part as opposed to new stuff out now. Yeah, see, I, I'm the opposite. I like the way this newer stuff looks, typically. Because mm. there's there's exceptions to it, but typically... Well, like, sure, there's exceptions like, to the older like, stuff, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like we've mentioned before, when I look at, personally, when I look at the old vintage G.I. Joe figures, to me, compared to what's out now, they don't look as good, to me. They feel better, the plastic's better, because I think it had more lead in it. Yeah. <laughs> I like I like the O-ring style, just because I, that's what I grew up on. That's what I grew up on, too, and at the time, I thought it was fantastic. Now I get these other ones, and I'm like, these, to me, these are even better. Um, because, again, what what I mentioned to you one time was, when well, I some, look at the some figures... Some better, yeah, and yeah. some, in my opinion, don't. When I look at the figures that are out now, in my mind as a kid, that's what the figure looked like. Yeah. Those O-ring figures look like the figures that are out now, so I'd rather Star the Wars. Now. Yeah, I get that because basically, if, if you didn't have right, you know, C three PO or R two D two, who yeah are not articulated anyway, it's a wash. Yeah, I like the newer Star Wars figures three and three quarter, but when I got that sideshow, I'm like, damn, that's that's the the ten. That's the tits. That's the tits. <laughs> if you're looking at everything, grading it to a ten, that's a ten. Right. Whereas a uh, you know, Hasbro Star Wars figure, even a really good one, is not going to grade out that high. Right, no. and that's, it can't. I mean, look at it. There's, right. there's no way. But then I also realize that I can do things with the 3 and 3 quarter inch that I can't do with the 12 inch. <laughs> like, you see my cantina scene. Like and throw you them see, up in the air? <laughs> well, you see my cantina scene, you see my Java scene. Like, that's fun for me. I yeah, if you want to make really cool. dios, sure. Yeah, that looks really cool. I can't do that with the 12 inchers. No, it would cost thousands of dollars. Right. And so, more space. And, and you'd have to learn how to do custom figures because they don't make, they don't make them all, all yeah. those characters. Mm-hmm. So, And that's the thing. Like As I go through my Star Wars figures, I'll find more figures that go into those dios that I have in my closet. Sure. Um, so I'll be able to, to fill in that space. And those will be more figures that I don't get rid of um, because they work for my display. Yeah. But then so there's. I guess we're, what we're saying is we're going to be selling some stuff. We're going to be going on sale. Star Joe's sale. We're we're going. <laughs> Star Joe's is going for sale. <laughs> yeah. Place your dollar bets. But yeah, like you said, and then what I can do is I can take the money that I make from that and I can complete other collections, and then those collections are. Is there something like, now that you would like to collect that you don't have anything of, or maybe one or two of that I don't have anything of? Well, or one piece or two pieces, or anything. Not really. Not mask. You, I have a one, one. But I have like one, to, and I'm happy with the one I have. You wouldn't want to get any more, no. Okay, no more masters, no. Uh, because again, because I don't have any place to put them. What about any more like type of transformer? No, I'm pretty set on transformers right now. Like, there's a couple other pieces. Have you been to Rebel Tech ones. I'd like to get more of them, but. I don't know where I'd put them, and I don't know what I'd do with them. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to figure out where I'm going to put my current Transformers. What about Battle Beasts? Um, I probably... Like vintage ones. Uh, I might get some vintage ones. I don't know. Like, yeah, maybe. I don't but know. they don't take up a lot of room. They're very small. Yeah. 
Um, the new ones, I like the style of the new ones, as long as they're not the mini, as long as they don't look like typical mini mates, which a lot of the ones that have been coming out yeah. don't look typical. They don't look like a typical mini mate. They look like they have a sculpted head, they have a sculpted arms, or like um, yeah. Well, I'd like to get I'd like to get some of those '80s uh, superpower super friends. Yeah, see, I don't. I mean, I really cool. enjoyed those as a sure, kid. Sure, they're I, awesome. I like playing with them. I always wanted the Batmobile and never had it. Right. So that would be cool. And like me. I said, for me, I'm just not I'm not a vintage person. I think it's cool. I love having the nostalgia of looking at something that I had as a kid. I mean, look at it this way. Um, a lot of that stuff with the vintage stuff, you'll get that you'll ne- they'll never do again. Sure. I give you that. Uh, USS Flag, right. Terradrome. Right. They're never going to make playsets that big again. Right. I'm actually really surprised they're doing this Castle Grayskull. Oh, sure, I am. I too. thought the only way we were going to get a Castle Grayskull was that statue. Right. Now, if they're doing a statue at 100 and the playset at 200, I'm not going to buy the statue. Right. I'll just I, buy the playset. I might get the statue. Really? Because the statue will take up less room and I can actually put it on display. Well, I'm going to put both on display. I don't have the room <laughs> for a Castle Grayskull. I'm not going to buy a statue if they're going to do a playset. That's what I'm saying. I probably will. Okay. Because I'm probably not going to get the playset because I don't have the room for a playset to display it. And I would want to display something like that. True. Sure. Yeah. And I'm not going to like... Especially the cost of it. Yeah. want to display it. And I'm not going to put something else away that costs maybe just as much or whatever to just display that because I don't have a lot of the He-Man figures. I don't have any of the classic ones yet. I'm going to get... Like I said, I'm going to get He-Man. But it's like I don't have any of the classic figures. But... What about Skeletor and Panther? Are you going to get those? No. No? No. Wow. But I could... No villains. Just just He-Man. No just villain. He-Man. Well, I just want for that the Starjo shelf. That's it. Which you guys will see a picture of the Starjo shelf. and uh, Eventually. Eventually. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, no. Once I get the other sh- shelves filled in... What if I, you had a chance to get uh, all a Yoda Empire Strikes Back carded? Yoda. Yeah, I'd get that. Okay. Depends on how much. Uh, 150 to 200. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on how I got it too. Like if I sold stuff, yeah. Okay. To get to get it, yes. If it was just blow one hundred and fifty bucks, probably not. Well, let's say you got a, a bonus at work or something like that of mm. a couple G's. Eh, I'd rather you could blow like a hundred bucks on yourself. Uh, I'd rather spend it on something else. Okay, I'm just curious. So, um, I'd rather fill in some of the gaps of other stuff that I. What if you had two hundred bucks to blow like that on something for yourself, toy wise? What would you buy? I, uh, uh, you don't know? <laughs> I don't know. Would you get a sideshow? Might. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, again, they don't take up a ton of room and they look awesome. And They do? Yeah, I don't know. I Again, it could I could end up getting another Muppets Palisades that I really need, like one of those more expensive ones. There you go, yeah. Where, you know. Or you take the hundred bucks you were going to spend on one and add that to it, and now you got like a three or four hundred dollar one. Right. Yeah, so. Right. So it, it's. It's tough to say, and like I said, there's certain collections I would like to just complete or say that, okay, I have enough of what I want here. Like, yeah. Star Wars, I'm almost to that point, as far as, like, three and three-quarter inch figures. Like, there's, I can count on one hand the, the characters I still want to get from that, and then I'm done. I Well, I'm not going to stop until I get the Falcon and the X-Wing. Right, but I'm talking just figure-wise. Yeah. I'm not going to stop. <laughs> Anytime soon. Ever. I don't, I can't, Ever. I can't see us stopping point with Star Wars whereas I can see a stopping point I just with, I run out of room I can see a stopping point with Transformers I can see a stopping point with G.I. Joe I can see a stopping point even with Masters I don't I mean don't get me wrong I, don't, I can't see a stopping point I don't with Star see Wars. a I don't see a stopping point as far as them making Star Wars figures no 
But as far as me stopping to buy Star Wars figures, I can see a stopping point. I can't. Because... Even the sideshows are Star Wars well, figures. Well, I get that. Okay. But I can see a stopping point with those because I'm not planning on getting many more. Okay. I, I mean, I have... Again, I can count on one hand how many figures I still. Well, let's say you want. gave up. Let's say you gave up toys altogether, mm-hmm. and you weren't collecting those, and you got all the comic books you want. All mm-hmm. you're buying now is new stuff. Yeah, new releases. Yeah, would you still collect anything? Just because com- it's hard to get the collecting. Just comics wise, yeah. It's hard to get the collecting mentality out of a collector, right? I know you want to get comic books, and you're going to get them every month. Right. I mean, you're going to get your new monthlies. Right. But that's all you need, because you have everything else you ever want. Right. So, no oh, toys, good. no comics, yeah. back issues. That's where I'm trying to get to now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> my question is, what do you think, if anything, would take its place? I mean, would you collect... Just my monthlies. Coins, or stamps, no. or... I collected coins as a kid. Spoons or... No. You know, people bottle caps. People collect all different weird... No, because... Old love letters from girlfriends. If I was collect weird stuff. If I was getting my monthly comics, still, I... That's the point I'm trying to get to right now. Is Would I'm you trying to get movie to a, posters? No. Would you collect... Because, again, you run out of space to display them, and then you're just... Yeah, you're then they just go, up, yeah. Then they just go into a, a storage thing, and that's it. Animation cells. No. No? We already got a few of those. I'm good. I mean, would you collect them, though? No. I mean, you only have to buy, like, maybe one again, or two a year. You again, don't have to buy, like, you're buying that. But again, display. I mean, mm-hmm. one or two a year, and then after ten years, you got 20 of them. That's true. So, I mean, <laughs> that's the problem in now. <laughs> but ten years, you might get rid of some other things around the house, too. Sure. To add, you know. If it was acceptable by the spouse, too. Right? <laughs> it's not like it, I'm living in this house by myself. That's true. But no. Now your wife has no collections at all. No, she doesn't collect stuff. Okay. She's never been a collector, and she doesn't understand the mentality, which is fine. She might collect husbands. <laughs> right. Um, no, and that's fine. Yeah. So I think, think there's a lot of people like family. that. Oh, yeah, very yeah. much so. But and that's the thing. I'm trying to get to that point where it's like... See, my wife has small collections, nothing on scale of what I collect. Like, she has her little smurf smurfs. figures. She collects shoes. I'm not yeah. going to lie, because she has tons of shoes. She'll tell you I collect jackets, but I really don't. She likes to buy you jackets. I just have a ton of jackets. No, she doesn't <laughs> buy me jackets. I have, I have a ton of jackets. But you can only wear one. I know this. <laughs> so I've let a lot of them go. I mean, I think with the way I am and I collect things, if I didn't collect toys, it would I would move on to something else. Yeah, see, I don't know what it would be, but I, I think it would just move on to something else. Yeah. See, and that's the thing. I've started like candles. or I don't know what I would collect. <laughs> I mean, you know. Ponies. Ponies. Become a brony. Shortcakes. I don't know what I would collect. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Like, I have made my master list of these are the things I still want to get that are going to complete certain things for me. Once those lists are done, it's done for me. I mean, there might be new stuff that comes out. Let's say there's a new Star Wars book that covers the latest stuff that came out. Like, I'm getting that encyclopedia yeah. for the Old Republic. That's something what about new sports? that it didn't Would you have. move on to sports? No. And collect, like, uh... No. Because I just... I enjoy sports. I love going to, to sporting games and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's I've never been someone that says, well, I want to get this autographed baseball by somebody or, you know, anything like that. Or some people collect sports hats cards or, or sporting yeah, no. cards or, you know. No. I've got, I've got a few hats and that's it. Yeah. And they're more for... Uh, General use? <laughs> for, for purpose than for... Collecting. Collecting. Yeah. No, it's one of those things, like I said, I'm trying to get to that point where it's like, okay, I can see my collection, 
and I have some other pieces set aside, and now I'm done. Well, like even if you collected autographs, you could keep them in a book, and you could collect on that for yeah. your lifetime and not even fill that book. Well, and technically, I'm still. If I was getting my monthly comics, technically, I'm still collecting comics. So it's not like I'm it's not like I'm getting rid of collecting. I'm just collecting just the new comics that are coming out. I might not keep all of them. Like it'd be one of those. That's another thing I want to get to is I want to get to a point where which I'm I'm getting very close to, where I read an issue and I look at it and I go, okay, would I read this again or would I not read this again? If I would read it again, it goes in this pile. If I would not read it again, it goes in this one. And guess what? That other pile gets sold. Yeah. So. Um, I'm not there yet. <laughs> well, my collection is a lot larger than yours too. True that. So, as as many things of mine are larger than. Wow. Yours. <laughs> it's a PSA, and you got to go compare dicks. Wow. Sure. What do you think the P stands for? Oh well, true. <laughs> right, but go. no, that's that's. I mean, that's kind of where I am when it comes to collecting. I'm kind of. I mean, I'm not that old, but I feel like I'm in the twilight years of my collecting, and that's not to say like. I'm now going to sell everything I have. It's not, that's a, a whole different age level and stuff like that. Where you're just like, you yeah. know, I really don't need to keep any of this stuff. I don't know if I'll ever reach that age. I don't think you will. But if you do, call me. Right. <laughs> Let me know. But I think I'll reach. I I think I'm at an age now where I'm like, you know what? I really don't need to buy a whole lot of new stuff anymore because of how much I already have. Right. So let me whittle what I have down, and then I'll look where the gaps are. Then you'll reassess the collection and see what's there. Yeah, Yeah. because that's what I'm doing with my comics right now is I've whittled out almost everything that I wouldn't read again. And now now I'm looking at the comics I would keep, and I go, okay, well, in this one, I'm missing this one issue. So let me go out and get that one issue. Yeah. Like I mentioned to you, I have No Man's Land. I have it in trade version, but I bought all the issues as they came out. The one issue I'm missing is Shadow of the Bat number 83, which was the first appearance of quote-unquote Bat, Batgirl, the new Batgirl, but it turned out it wasn't the new Batgirl. But that issue, when it first came out, was like 80 bucks and stuff like that. Like People were going crazy over it. Now I think you can find it for like 5 bucks on eBay. Oh, okay. Um, so, but that's the one issue I'm missing out of No Man's Land. So it's like, okay, well, I really love No Man's Land. I thought that was a great story. I loved all the little mini story tie-ins and everything else. Now I'll sell a bunch of comics and I'll spend the five bucks to get that one issue I wanted. Yeah. So, so I mean things like that, like uh, stuff that was special to me in my childhood, like I don't know, like the Dukes of Hazard, or the A Team, or Knight Rider. I'll always want a little piece of that somewhere, sure. even if it's a Hot Wheel, right? Or even if it's like a DVD set or something like right. that. I'll want something like that to remember that. And I don't know why I want something like that to remember. And that's why I think... Because I've got a good memory. I know I remember well, it. And that's why I think I have so many different properties that I do collect or had collected. Yeah. And it's why I have the Muppets Palisade stuff is because the Muppet Show was a huge part of my life. And, and I watched it religiously. And, it, and when I see the... Because of how well they did these figures, yeah. when I look at them, I go, those remind me of the TV show. Hey, they're good quality, Sure. Um, I mean, did you watch it with your family? Yeah. Like, everybody stopped yeah. and sat down yeah. at 7.30 or 8 o'clock, and yep. everybody in the house The whole family it. sat down and watched it together. Okay, and, yeah, it's, and so It's a special moment, sure. Absolutely. But same thing with, like, Star Wars. Like, like Dad didn't put you in front of the Muppets and go smack Mom no, around or no, something. No, no, nothing like that, no. You heard um, the bed creak a couple times. No, we all sat down and watched the Muppet Show, and we all laughed and had a good time. And you probably had some popcorn or yeah. some snacks or whatever. Yeah. Sure, yeah. 
And then, you know, like Star Wars, my dad took me to go see the movies. Like, yeah. same thing with Indiana Jones. He took me to go see the Indiana Jones movie. So it's like, I'm always going to want something, like you said, even if it's just a small thing. Yeah. Speaking of which, I got, um, we'll use it when, because I know we'll cover Indiana Jones That's in an episode sometime probably next year. But I got a, a piece done by Dave Wachter, which you saw, because uh, I knew his art style would work really well for doing Indiana Jones. So I asked him, hey, can you do me an Indiana Jones piece, circa like Raiders of the Lost Ark? And he did, and it was freaking amazing. It's really nice, yeah. And we'll use it for uh, for the, when we do the Indiana Jones episode. So. Sure. Um, speaking of episodes coming up, I wanted to kind of clue people into what to expect coming up and, and what might be happening. Uh, next episode, we might have uh, an interview with Andrew Griffith and possibly the writer from Robots in Disguise, which I think is John Barber, I think. He's also the editor of the Transformers books and the G.I. Joe books. But Andrew Griffith's the artist on Robots in Disguise. Uh, he definitely said he, he'd like to come on. Sure. Uh, we talked to him at Baltimore. So uh, we might have both of them on, and then we might also have, in that same episode, we might have Crash Murdoch on, who had his Kickstarter successful. I received his book Congratulations. in the mail Congratulations. that he did the animation on. So he'll we'll have him on to kind of talk about the book and just kind of do a little bit of general geek talk with. Sure. And then we're going to do, uh, most likely with Quinn Johnson, at the end of October, we're going to do the Castlevania episode. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to do that and get that out on Halloween. But it'll at least be close to Halloween. And then we've talked about in uh, two... Th- well, obviously we got to cover issues again. And then uh, we communicated with Fushcast, and I think CGS is doing it also, that in November... One of the weeks we're supposed to do like a flashback episode to our first episode. And basically what it means is we're supposed to talk about the things that we talked about in the first episode. So we don't have to repeat what we said in the first episode, but the, just the general topics are the same. Yeah. Um, so we'll it'll be able to go back and listen to and write down the topics. And, right. All right I yeah, you. exactly. So it's like, what did we talk about in that episode? We jot down the topics and then we do a whole new episode, but with those same topics. Um, so it's like a retro flashback thing. And then in December, we've talked about, uh, having possibly like Slip McFavorite on. Uh, I know, I think you were been in talk with him or something like that. Uh, having him on and talking. No. No? Okay. <laughs> well, maybe no, we should I, I reached out. I told him like we'd love to have you on the show and stuff like that, but I'll, I'll, I'll reach yeah, out to him and see. Maybe you. in December, do just like an all toys Christmas memories type holiday extravaganza, holiday extravaganza show. And then we're going to have, probably coming out Christmas Day or maybe Christmas Eve, depending on when I can get it out, we're going to have the He-Man, She-Ra commentary. commentary. Yeah. So that'll be out. Um, and then the new year, don't know. Uh, yeah, it's we, all wide open. It's all wide open. We will have we will have shows. We're not ending this year. <laughs> um, well, not unless you guys give. No. <laughs> but uh, no, so we'll, obviously we keep hinting that we're going to do a Voltron episode uh, or a never, Thundercats I'm, episode. Ah, fuck that. Obviously, I can cover... We could cover Voltron, and I can... Uh, we can cover the Voltron I got from Maddie Collector. Sure. So, stuff like that. Uh, like I mentioned, the Indiana Jones episode, probably at some point next year. Um, and then, who knows? Maybe probably another Masters of the Universe episode, something like that. Uh, we haven't really had to f- do a solo Master of the Universe episode since we've had the comics lately. Yeah. Which, by the way, the digital comics, digital comics mm. uh, have been good up until Orko. Orko sucked. Orko was horrible. I'm an Orko fan, and I, that book blowed. Orko was a snarf. I want to get my <laughs> dollar back. <laughs> there That's was like one is. or two panels that I liked uh, in it, but they were just because of the 
the kitschiness of the panel is like they were basic what basically happened oracle (laughs) messed around with this magic and it caused them to warp into different realities and the one that i thought was that i got a chuckle from was they were in uh, calvin and Hobbes type world and he-man standing there with battle cap but battle cap is like the stuffed animal of uh, Hobbes, Hobbes, and like there's a castle gray skull but it's like a cardboard Castle made yeah. by, made by the kids and stuff like that. So I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, the book itself is horrible, though. but yeah, the story's poorly written. Yes, the art was Bad. not good. No. You'll um, you'll want your dollar back. Just don't waste your money on that one. If yeah, you bought it. Now the Evil Lynn one was pretty good. I like that. Uh, the it was black and white. Yeah, uh, which I would have preferred color, but sure. But you know, but it worked. Um, it was a good story. Uh, it shows how evil Evil Lynn is. Oh yeah. Um, Very manipulative. Yeah. So I think those are only two that have come out since the last time. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Because they've... We talked about the Leech one. Yeah, we talked about the King Randor and stuff like that, so... G.I. Joe will return after these messages. To Cybertron. Thank you, Soundwave. I am TFG1 Mike, and you should be listening to my very first podcast, the TFG1 Podcast. 24 episodes covering the entire U.S. run of the 1984 Transformers cartoon. Also, a few supplemental episodes in an interview with Stan Bush. So, check out the TFG1 Podcast. You can find it on iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Transforming rollout. Emerging from the dark humor that was the Beast Unleashed podcast, Steve Megatron, TFG1 Mike, Pecan Court Michael, and the Cybertronian correspondent Optimus Solo move on to Transformers Animated with Transformation Animation Podcast. 20 episodes covering all three seasons of the cartoon, the books, and the awesome toy line. We'll also have cast and crew interviews, so get tapped with GCRN's next Transformers franchise podcast, Transformation Animation Podcast, available on iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Get your tap on. Decepticons, transform and rise up. Tooncast is dedicated to the cartoons we grew up with. 100 episodes and more make up one of the GCRN's most popular podcasts. Join hosts TFG and Mike, Optimus Solo, Terror the Rising Star, and tons of guest hosts. We also have voice actor and writer interviews. Tune in to Tooncast as we look back on the cartoons that defined us as geeks. You can find Tooncast on iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Tune in. Hey, I'm Gary. I'm Greg. I'm Chuck. And I'm Justin. Join the four of us every week on the Internet's number one G.I. Joe podcast, What's On Joe Mind. That's right. It's Joe News, reviews, and special guests like you've never heard them before delivered right to your MP3 player. Think of it as Joe Talk meets Sports Talk. And we make fun of Chuck. Right. Hey. We're just kidding, Chuck. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes Chuck makes fun of himself. Right. Hey. It's What's On Joe Mind. Every week on the Geekcast Radio Network, InsidePulse.com, Stitcher Smart Radio, and iTunes. Download and listen today. Can I say something about Transformers? No! Now, back to G.I. Joe. And now, before we close up the show, I actually still got a lot of show here for you. Uh, we're going to go ahead and play the actual IDW panel for you guys from New York Comic Con. This is brought to us thanks to uh, Daryl Taylor from uh, DC Noise. Uh, yeah, I said it. Uh, she's uh, no apologies. Nothing's on. All 
the whole Taylor network. Uh, but Daryl Taylor was at New York Comic Con, and he attended the IDW panel and was able to actually record it and contacted me and asked me if I'd like to have it for our show. So I absolutely, I thought absolutely this is a great thing to have uh, for you guys to listen to. Uh, I worked on editing a little bit of it just to kind of amplify when things got a little quiet. Uh, it was a little bit harder to maybe hear them and things like that, but I did not edit out any of the content. Um, the only other thing I may have taken out here and there was like long silent pauses and things like that because there's no need to listen to just dead air so i uh, did what i could to make it uh very listenable for you guys but like i said there's a lot of information there some things that have to do with our show some things that don't but i thought it would be great for you guys to actually hear what was said at the idw panel at new york comic-con and kind of come to your own opinions about what's coming out and everything else so uh we'll go ahead before we close the show and actually have you guys listen to the IDW panel from New York Comic Con. Good, thanks for being here. Greg, you want to say something to start us off? Hi, Greg, thanks for coming. I'm Greg Goldstein, I'm president of IDW. I'm here to uh, present my moral support to Mr. Eric Wood, our VP of Marketing Extraordinaire, who will introduce the remainder of our guests and run through a really exciting presentation. In fact, Running through the presentation one last time this morning, I realized it was so packed with interesting stuff and a lot of news that if you blink or text during the presentation, you're likely to miss something. So, don't do that. All right, that's Greg Goldstein, by the way, the Eisner Award winning. Greg Goldstein. Thank you. All right, let's go ahead and introduce everybody here. First of all, we have the lovely Miss Katie Cook. If you guys haven't seen that, it's fantastic. There's the guy. There's the guy, Fred. 
but uh, you, Fred also has done a bunch of other work, some, some Marvel Zombie stuff. He uh, is doing the uh, Archer and Armstrong book for Valiant right now, but uh, he's got an exciting announcement coming up for you guys pertaining to us. So we'll talk about that in a bit. But meanwhile, we've got a few quick announcements to get through. Mars Attacks IDW. Have you guys heard about this event? So, we've got a bunch of slides of some pretty amazing art here I want to show you. I wish you guys could see it up there because it's kind of ridiculous. But you just have to imagine how awesome it is if you can't see it. Uh, but basically, the first book is IDW Attacking Popeye. So, as you can tell, it's a very dark, sinister, serious <laughs> take on the Mars Attacks uh, legend here. But no, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're really excited about it. It's five one shots coming out in January. Let's run through them real quick. There is the cover of Mars Attacks Popeye. <laughs> Mars Attacks Jess. You knew that was the second book, I know. And there's the cover for that. These are Ray Dillon covers, by the way. And that will make sense in a second. Very nice. That's the Alan Robinson cover. I knew that would be the biggest response. <laughs> Mars attacks the real Ghostbusters. There's the cover for that. Mars attacks Transformers. <laughs> Alright, you guys are giving me high hopes for this uh, series. I'm pretty excited. And there we go. Attack of the Boss. And last but not least, some Zombies vs. Robots. This is Martians. Oh, yeah, and Honey Boo Boo. <laughs> Do you, have a, do you have a writer for that one yet? Cause, um, I'm accepting pitches, actually, if you're interested. <laughs> All of you guys can be in pitches for yeah. this project, would be great. All right, now, here, this, we haven't, nobody's seen any of these yet, with the exception of maybe one. But uh, we are doing an absolutely insane incentive variant program for this, for uh, 1 in 10 and 1 in 20 covers. Bear with me and you'll see what I'm talking about. For Mars Attacks Popeye, we have the Mars Attacks Miss Fury cover by Jay Bone and the Mars Attacks Opus cover by Berkeley Bradford. Which I know when you knew that Mars Attacks Popeye was happening, you must have assumed we were going to do a Berkeley Bradford Opus cover. <laughs> anyway, moving along. Mars Attacks Kiss, we have a Mars Attacks Judge Dredd cover by Greg Staples and Mars Attacks Star Climber by Walt Simonson. I think you're starting to get the idea here. Uh, Greg and our editor-in-chief, Chris Ryle, were sort of the masterminds of this program, so blame them if it's too crazy for you. Uh, Mars Attacks the Real Ghostbusters, that's a Mars Attacks 2 cover by Rob Bullery. And a Mars Attacks Mad Men cover by Mike Allred. And we'll be tweeting and Facebooking all these guys. Alright, we've got Mars Attacks Transformers, Mars Attacks Spike by Franco Guru, and Terry Mordo and Mars Attacks Strangers in Paradise, which you knew was probably coming. And last but not least, here we've got Mars Attacks Rock 2000 by John Byrne and Mars Attacks Cerebus by David Snow. When you see that, he's larger, it's unbelievable. Although, actually, all right. Let's talk a little bit about Doctor Who, and that's why we brought Mr. Diggle here. So, Andy, uh, I guess my first question for you is, uh, have you always been a Doctor Who fan, or is this something of a recent discovery? I'm British, everybody's a Doctor Who fan. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's really great that, that, like, New Who has become this huge global phenomenon, but uh, it used to be this kind of odd, quirky British thing that nobody else in the world had ever heard of, you know, 
So when I was growing up, it's like you know every kid watched Doctor Who every week. You know? Right. It's like you're playing it in school, uh, and then it went away for a few years. I think it went away right when I left school. So and, and now and now it's come back uh, just at the right time. And they're doing it properly. They've given it a budget and good writing and good direction and all the rest of it. So yeah, and it's, it's kind of finally become a hit that we always we always felt it should have been in the first place before right. the grades started cutting the budget back in the eighties. Um, so yeah, no, so it's, it's a huge draw for me. I mean, um, I used to. Uh, some of my best friends are Doctor Who fans. I mean, literally, like, three of my very closest friends are massive Hooies, right? And uh, I used to, and they're, they're even more into it than I am, so they're kind of my brains trust for the whole thing. But I, I kind of know my way around because I used to read um, stacks of the old Target novelizations. I used to buy, you know, the, 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 the books based on, prose books based on the old series. So I'd get, like, big stacks of these things from jumble sales and church sales and stuff like that and just read through them. And so all the old stuff that I'd never seen on TV, like the old John Hooies and this kind of stuff, in my head, had a, like, amazing special effects and vast epic scale, and you have to go back and watch that stuff now on DVD, it's, it's a little bit shaky, you know, some of it, right. um, so, but yeah, no, I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's a real honour to be, uh, it's, it's a real honour to be doing it, but it's also completely terrifying, because, you know, I'm kind of like, okay, so I'm, I'm no Stephen Moffat, you know, so it's, uh, it's, I'm always finding myself comparing myself to the, 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 the great writer you've got on the TV show, but it makes me try and raise my game. Yeah, well, you did a great job on it. Uh, it's funny you mentioned what, it leads me to think about the fact that we've sort of felt it should be a bigger comic hit than it's been as well, sort of the same way you're talking about the TV show historically. But with this recent series, the sales actually pretty much doubled, if I'm right. Well, that's so, me. Yes, it's one of those rare situations where we feel it is because of you. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, but, you know, we've, we've felt that it should be reaching a bigger audience the way the TV show is starting to reach a bigger audience, and it seems like that's happening. So. Yeah, the weird thing is that we can't actually get this, the IDW comic in the UK because of licensing issues. That's so, true. So all of my friends give me a very hard time. I haven't actually seen a copy of that thing yet. I've been running around since, since I got to the States this weekend. I haven't had a chance to actually go to the comic shop or you know, tour the, the, the floor of the hall to actually buy a copy. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to fill my suitcase with copies and dole them out to my friends when I get back. Oh, there you go. Well, we, we're not going to tell a license for that, though. So that's all right. <laughs> all right. Well, let's see, Greg, you got any other questions you can think of? Or? Yeah, I'm curious. I was about working with a you know licensed, well-known character. I don't really think of it as a licensed character any more than I think of you know Superman or Batman as a licensed character. It's all you know, it's, it's just a pre-existing character. You know, so I don't really it doesn't really matter to me you know who owns the license. Who, you know, that's just a you know legal piece of paper really. It's about whether I actually care about the character. Is the bottom line. I mean. Um, so yeah, like I, I kind of promised myself that this year, after I got away from Marvel, I kind of had to gnaw my leg off to get out of an exclusive contract. Um, when I got away from Marvel, I promised myself I wasn't going to take on any work that I wasn't going to have fun with. Um, so if it's a pre-existing, you know, I'm doing more creator-owned work now these days as well. But if it's if it's a pre-existing character, then unless I unless I feel like I can bring something to the table that's you know I I, I've got, I can bring the voice of that character um, and bring it to life and have fun doing it. Then I'm not, I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to take it on. But with who? I mean, the, the great thing about um, about uh, the current Doctor Who is like you know I get to write Matt Smith, you know. So that's that's really exciting because he's got such a unique kind of delivery. And then of course once I start you know putting the words on the page, I realise well I haven't actually got Matt Smith to bring this to life. Um, so trying to get that kind of mercurial delivery um, that he uh, his acting style. Trying to it's really interesting challenge for me and the artists to try and bring that to life on the page in a, in a static medium like comics. Yeah. So that kind of turning on a dime way he's got talking, where he'll suddenly go off at tangents mid-sentence, 
Um, so yeah, I, I don't know whether I've succeeded, and, uh, and, and Mark, Mark Buckingham's done an amazing job of bringing the, 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 the character likenesses to life. Uh, Speaking of Mr. Buckingham, just throw a couple pages up there. Yeah, it's lovely stuff. I'm, I'm, really, I'm really lucky. I mean, me and Mark have been talking about working together for years, uh, and to <laughs> actually finally get a chance to work together on Doctor Who, for instance, is lovely. I'm really jealous that I've always wanted to work with Philip Bond. I was uh, so close to getting Philip Bond. Maybe later on for an annual or something yeah. like that. You know. uh, but you're coming back right after those guys. Really indeed, indeed. Indeed. All right. Excellent. And, and the script will be coming through as soon as I leave the con. All right. Monday. Monday. That's Monday. Monday for me is sitting in my hotel room with my iPad frantically writing the next issue. All right. Somebody email our editors and tell them that. <laughs> All right. Andy Diggle, everybody. So.
Are you set up in Artist Alley? Yeah, uh, at 18. There you go. Yeah. Go see JK in Artist Alley and check out his amazing work. Yeah, and all the pages. Well, that, this is the reason we brought Mr. Fred Van Lente into the room. We are relaunching G.I. Joe, and this is the first place you're hearing about it. So, that is an Art Adams piece right there, by the way. Alright, well, starting in February, Fred is taking the helms of the new G.I. Joe series along with his old collaborator Steve Kurth. I'm going to flash these up here too. Then in March, we've got Chuck Dixon and Paul Galaxy starting G.I. Joe Secret Missions. I do the Cobra Files from Mike Costa and Antonio Fuso. So let's talk to Fred because he is spearheading the first of these books. So, uh, you know, I read the interview you did with CBR, which should be posted later today, actually. Little plug. Uh, and you mentioned that this was sort of your take on the G.I. Joe live action series. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, this it's sort of the natural successor to the cartoon. Um, one of the things I want to do is, is Cobra's going to bring the war to G.I. Joe here in America. Uh, one of the developments that happened in Chuck's uh, run is that uh, Cobra kind of wiki-leaked the existence of G.I. Joe to the world. Right. And rather than retreating from that, the Pentagon has decided to take G.I. Joe totally public. They actually relocate to Governor's Island here in New York City, which as many people here know is an army base. Uh, it is now the headquarters for the G.I. Joes, and they're going to go on very public missions here in the United States because Cobra has, has basically wormed its way all throughout the U.S., and so it's going to be uh, a war book, but a war book taking place right here. Uh, the first arc is called Homefront, uh, and it's it's pretty hardcore. Yeah, well, hardcore is good. All right, so uh, let's see. Then you know, there you go. Hardcore. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, let's see, so, what, you know, if you can elaborate a little bit, what would you think, in terms of tone, what's different about this relaunch? Um, it's very much a core team. Uh, there are many, many, many G.I. Joes, as I don't need to tell anybody who's in the franchise here, but we're focusing on a core team that's mostly going to be Duke, CoverGirl, Roblox, Shipwreck, uh, Tunnel Rat. Uh, a, a, a very specific character-based book that, that, you know, it's still a war book, it's still going to be bullets flying, it's still going to be, you're still going to have a lot of casualties uh, on both sides, uh, but it's, it's very much a Joe versus Cobra book for the modern era. Uh, my, my, one of my favorite characters is on the screen right now. As far as I'm concerned, the whole book could be about fairness, and I'd be perfectly happy. Well, I mean, you may do that spin-off. There you go. Fairness, my little pony crossover. There you go. Uh, for some reason, I'm picturing a Baroness pony right now. It looks awesome. Uh, sorry, uh, but, uh, uh, she's sort of the Joker of the series. I think she's the. I mean, obviously, Cobra Commander is the head of Cobra. But to me, Baroness is the is the face of Cobra, and and and, and she's very evil and sadistic and not very nice. And you'll see numerous examples of that in the first arc. Excellent. Well, we're all looking forward to that. Uh, totally unrelated, though. Uh, you know, Fred has about comic book history of comics with Ryan Dunleavy. Any plans to continue that? Uh, we're just gonna keep people keep buying it. We're gonna keep reprinting it. <laughs> That's what we're gonna uh, talk well, about. That. I don't know if I can we reveal this that we're gonna have. Should I? You're giving me a look. I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm going to make an executive decision and say yes. Okay. Well, Ryan Dunleavy uh, and I are going to be doing history of GI Joe, comic history of comic style variant covers for. The first couple issues of GI Joe, uh, in addition to that beautiful uh, Art Adams. Yeah. 
In addition to that beautiful art on its cover, we're also getting one from Steve Kirk. But yeah, there's going to be a history of G.I. Joe. I, I'm, a, I'm a huge G.I. Joe nut, even back before the current incarnation uh, of the, I guess, the Joe Colton era. Uh, G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip, and those guys are all going to be major characters in the series as well. So it's going to be a generational legacy uh, to this Joe series. Right. Um, so uh, Brian is going to, we're going to take G.I. Joe from the original days in the 60s all the way up to the present through a series of very cool uh, covers in the style of comic history of comics. Excellent. Like Sunday strips. That's great. Very cool. There you go. All right. Uh, and speaking of Steve Kurt, I actually threw his cover up to there as well. We just got that in. That's great. Um, you, so you worked with Steve in the past in Iron Man, right? Yeah. That right? So it's like working with him again. Well, he's fantastic. He, he, what he loves is battles and, and tech, so he's kind of the natural G.I. Joe artist, and his, his knowledge of G.I. Joe vastly outstrips my own, which is actually very useful. And he's like, well, did you mean this instead, Fred? Oh, yes. Yes, I did, Steve. <laughs> so uh, he's, he's keeping me honest with the, with the franchise, which is awesome. Just real quick on, on the whole G.I. Joe program, obviously, um, Chuck and Mike aren't here. So the, one of the things I think that our readers will find is that each book will definitely have a distinctive voice. And um, I, I know that's been our goal in the past. I think the creative teams in this particular case really ensure that you, you know, you'll sort of be able to say, okay, this is, this is the way they're driving the uh, series in this particular book versus the way they're driving the, um, the series in the other book. On special missions, yeah, I've been a fan of the you know, Chuck and Paul team for a long time, going all the way back to Airboy and Valkyrie um, uh, and beyond. So um, I, I know they're going to be taking a completely different angle than some of the things we've done um, before as, uh, as Fred. And Cobra Files, um, uh, obviously we've had a successful Cobra book previously, um, will also again um, uh, do things different and in shorter arcs than we had done previously. So it's, it's all fun and exciting. And Real American Hero continues onward. So I should we shouldn't leave that out. Yeah. That's true. Uh, okay, as you can see, my little pony, so we're going to talk to Ms. Cook over here. Uh, so, two of you may have heard, uh, it made its way on the internet recently, but uh, it's been kind of a success. So, and I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say it's coming out of the gate at about 90,000 copies, which I'm not sure.
because I'll be honest, I wrote My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic for me and Andy, the guy drawing it. And because we're fans and we love all ages books. And I think everybody, when you guys announced it, expected us to write Barbie Pony Princess Party, you know, going to the bunny farm and having a tea party. And that's not the book that I wrote. You know, I wrote an epic pony adventure. There's monsters and crazy stuff and an evil queen and kidnappings and ponies in peril. And that's not what people are expecting. And like I said, now that there's 90,000 people out there, including review sites that have a copy, it's like, ugh. <laughs> Hopefully they like that. Oh, they will. And speaking of Andy, actually, Andy Price is doing the art. I'm actually putting some of his pages up here, and they look unbelievable. So I think... <coughs> I would point out, uh, the green pony with the heart on its butt is me. Um, and then Andy and his wife are in there, and Tom Selleck is in there. And, uh, and the Blues Brothers are in there. And all of Andy's cats are in there because he has like 15 of them. It's kind of a where's Waldo scenario going on. Oh, yeah, we had fun. We were going back and forth. They would text me pages that say, no, 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 let's do this. Yeah. And then we would work out jokes together. And I mean, like I said, this. This is two friends basically treating it as their own book, and I think that that really comes across, you know, and I think fans are going to love that we put ourselves and our love for the fandom into this book. And I even had, I had, okay, um, so they're, most of the bronies are phenomenal. 99% of them are amazing, and then every once in a while you get one that's one of those. But uh, you get those and everything. And uh, he wrote me this email, he's like, I hope you don't let the man get you down when you're writing Rainbow Dash. That's a quote. <laughs> and I sent him this picture of me as a five-year-old with two little pony toys trying to make him kiss. And it's like, I've been a fan longer than you. Leave me alone. It's like, I know what I'm doing. I'm having a blast, you know, putting my own spin on things and trying to keep the characters in their own voice. And everybody that thought this book was going to suck can suck it. I don't know. Um, because I... Crazy, so I hope I can, Andy and I can keep that up and keep the momentum up and keep people buying after they have that first issue in their hands because I think they're going to see Andy's art and see the jokes in it and see humor and a great story and keep buying. And that's what makes a good all-ages comic. This is not a comic just for little kids. It is all-ages. Well, I don't think you have to worry about people not enjoying it. You know, just around the office and our friends at Hasbro, some of whom are here today, everyone's reaction to it has been over the top. That is, I'm not writing a Nambi Pamby pony comic, even though Nambi Pamby was a great editor. It's a pony joke for people that like that. That was for you guys. So, okay, who's already planning on buying this comic book? Alright, who's not? Get out. Alright, thank you Katie. Katie Cook, everybody. Alright, J.M., we made it all the way down to you. Uh, the Adventures of Augusta Wynn. Now, first of all, you did a lot of pretty intense cerebral, real adult works in the past. What sort of led you down the path to creating an all-ages? Well, I've, I've done all ages stuff before. I right. did a Batazan with Mike Blue. We right. also did the Stardust Kid. And, um, you know, something can have, how do I put this? You can have all the adult themes you want, 
is cerebral as you want in an all-ages comic. You know, I think uh, Madeline Engel had a line where she said something like, whenever she wants to write, I'm going to mangle the quote, but I'll get the essence of it. Whenever she wants to write something really challenging, she writes a children's book. You know what I mean? Because it, uh, you know, it allows, you know, these kinds of fantasies first of all allow for such incredible world building, and to write to write something that you know you know that an eight year old can read and enjoy, and then their thirty five year old parents can sit down and read and enjoy, and to find the spot in between where you're going to please both those people, where you're not going to write down, you know, because it's you want it to be challenging, you want it to be surreal, you want to explode somebody's imagination, whether they're 8 or 35, you know? So I really love working in this, this world, this all ages world, and I think we need a lot more of it. And I agree with shows. You know, Moonshadow was really an all ages comic, except it had sex and violence in it. If you took that out, right? If you took out all the nudity and sex and violence in bad words, it really was sort of an all ages adventure. Kids yeah. love violence. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, um, Fantastic. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about the book itself, like where, where the story comes from, where is it? Yeah, the, the story is the first time I ever came up with a, a, a project that started not with a concept, but with a name. Okay. I was sitting on my back porch with my wife, and it was a really windy day, and a gust of wind came by, and I, you know, being a writer, ooh, a gust of wind, a gust of wind, what a great name, you know? Yeah. I had no idea who she was, what she was, so I kind of just filed it away, and over the course of six months or a year, other character names started popping up, and I started to get these sort of vague glimmers of who these people were. And I finally got an image of Augusta in my head, who was wearing a Victorian dress, and she had an umbrella, and there was a, she lived in a castle. And uh, I'll tie this in with our wonderful artist, Vasilis Godzillas, which is very hard to say. He's from Greece. It's not a made-up name, it's real. Um, but if you look at his stuff, he's incredible. He's doing um, so one day he sends me out of the blue, uh, the sketchbook that he's done. Just, you know, like a little limited edition sketchbook. And I'm flipping through the sketchbook, and he's drawn, he's never heard a word about Augusta Wind. He has drawn a picture of a girl in a Victorian dress with an umbrella standing in front of a castle. And I looked at that, and I, the top of my head exploded. I went, oh my god, he just drew my character. So I ran upstairs, emailed him immediately, told him about the book, and said, do you want to draw it? And he said yes, and we were off from there. That's fantastic. That's almost like the stories you hear about, like a casting room where the person walks in, and like that's her. Yeah, you know, like, you know, and, and that's you know, it's amazing enough when those things happen to you, you know, with your own imagination as a writer. But when there's a second person involved in those, those sort of synchronous moments of magic, you know, then you know you're on the right track. And this whole book, working on this book, has been like that every step of the way. It's been a really wonderful experience. And it's one of these stories that starts kind of small, and you think it's sort of the normal, you know, girl from the real world ends up in a magic world. But it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and then more fantastic. And the great thing about Vasilis is, A, he's the fastest artist I've ever worked with. I mean, he's unbelievable. Uh, to the point where you know, I wrote the first issue full script, but the second issue was so fast, I was just I, I was just writing half-fulls. I was just writing the artwork and feeding it to him to keep up with him. And in between drawing the book, he'll be sending me 20 sketches of characters and this and monsters and alternate covers. And when we do the trade, here's a rapper. And he's like, it's unbelievable. That's, that's, that's the right problem to have. But you know, then he'll send me a design for some creature, and I'll go, you know, I needed someone at the end of this issue, and this is who this creature is, and I'll slot it in, or he'll send me something, and it'll spark something in my imagination, and I'll create a whole new character around the visual. And in comics, it doesn't get better than that. When you have that kind of inspiration coming from your artist, when you have the framework of your story all worked out, 
but he gets to slot in his own imagination and make the story even better. You know? So it's been a wonderful collaboration. I'm really excited about this. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, we're all excited about it too. But real quick, tell us about the Snabbit. Oh. The Snabbit is this creature who, I think he's hanging from the tree in that picture. Mm -hmm. He's half snake and he's half rabbit. Ergo, Snabbit. Very clever of me to come up with that name. <laughs> Augusta, in the beginning of the story, uh, is living in the real world. And she just thinks she's an ordinary girl from, from, from the real world. There's a lot more to it than that, as we discover. The Snabbit is the one who essentially wakes her up from her dream, who shows up one day outside her window. And, and, and awakens her to who she really is, and that sets, sets off on the adventure that reveals the truth about her and this other group of children in this place with the castle that I told you about. But it's, it's really a story that, that it, 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 it dovetails with a lot of different realities and the spaces between realities, and it's one of these big multi-dimensional adventures that I really, really love, where you get to play with these kind of big metaphysical concepts within the context of a really fun adventure story. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's coming out in November, everybody. Adventures of Augusta Wynn, look at that. Star Trek. All right, Mike, we're about to make a big announcement here, and I'm going to flip the slide. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, you ready? There we go. So, uh, we'll get the band back together. Actually, the second Blues Brothers reference. Uh, David Messina, who uh, we worked with on the original Countdown in 2009, is drawing this four-issue miniseries, which is a prequel to the movie that comes out next May. And the plan is to do what we did with the, uh, with the first Countdown, which is set the table for the next movie and hopefully give readers some insight and some added material that's going to make seeing the movie uh, sort of add an extra dimension to it when you actually see the movie. So. Uh, Really excited about it. This is the first time anybody has seen the cover to number one here. I think David did an amazing job. And uh, like uh, the original Countdown covers, where each cover is going to focus on uh, a different uh, main character and then they're going to join together. I think you can see in the lower right corner there's a little piece of the Starfleet shield. When you put the covers together, it'll all join up into one image. Uh, so, yeah. So, so, Mike, what can you tell us about the series? Romulan, Ferengi, Klingon? So, there are a couple Paramount ninjas in the audience. They're kind of like air marshals. You don't know who they are. If I say anything, you're going to know they're here really quickly. Pretty ugly. Uh, it's a movie. comes out next year. And uh, <laughs> it's, probably, it's probably like two after, like It's as long as other movies. Like It's not like super short or you know, super long. Uh, it's really, it could be really good, um, and you should go see it multiple times. And hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully our comic can uh, can sort of enhance the uh, experience for you. So we're all really excited about it. Were there any new challenges that you didn't face with the last Countdown series that were different this time around? Yeah, the, as you probably know, the next movie is wrapped in several layers of uh, secrecy, um, and. Uh, We've sort of had to account for that in our as we work and as we're going to be talking about the countdown to darkness. So um, we've had to, it's sort of a delicate dance to do because you want to make sure you don't spoil anything, um, but you still want to make sure that the comic matters uh, when it comes to setting up the next movie. Um, but I think I, I know uh, I've seen sort of fans frustrated about the, the secrecy about the next movie, but I think it's really going to pay off. There's so many surprises and so many things people don't know. 
that to spoil them is really going to spoil the experience of sitting in the theater. So you might spoil it. Okay, I'll spoil it. So here's the thing, basically. Um, but yeah, so we, we hope you guys pick it up and, and enjoy it. How's that? Is that a good question? Uh, yeah, the, I'm, everything's spoiled for me now. That's it. Um, and I should say that the main series, if you guys, anybody's been picking up the main that ongoing was the series. Question. Oh, was that your? No, that's the next question. That While was, this is happening, the regular ongoing series. Yeah, the ongoing is going to keep going. This is going to be a separate four-issue series. And uh, while the while these four issues are coming out, uh, the four issues of the main series are going to be origin stories of uh, different members of the main cast. We have Bones up first, and then we have Ahura, and we have Scotty, and then we have a Sulu Chekhov tag team origin issue. So it's going to sort of flesh out things. And they also set up the movie. In fact, it's crazy the kind of things we've gotten away with hinting at in the ongoing series for the next movie. And it, and it helps that Bob Orsi is overseeing the comic because I can say, hey, can I say this? And they'll say, yeah. And I'll say, can I say this? And they'll say, absolutely not. But um, the stuff that we've been able to hint at is great. So there's still going to, in, in the, this is sort of a direct prequel right here, but the ongoing series issues are still going to have prequely ish bits in them. So, little so, teasers. So let's all be clear, there are trades of the current series out there that you need to go get to look for those Easter eggs. Did I do a good job? I'm just yeah. going. I'll just go yeah. buy the trades for the yeah. others. <laughs> yes. Well, multiple copies, right. Got that. You shameless hucksters. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Mike Johnson, everybody. So uh, it's going to be outstanding. And our uh, our fearless leader and CEO Ted Adams and Scott Doonbeer were up with him last weekend and just uh, came back raving about you know the state of the art work and what's available. And that's going to be awesome. We're also apparently doing a digital audio version of High Society, more less in a format that remains to be seen. We're going to learn about that about the same time you guys do, I think. But uh, yeah, we could not be more excited to be in business with Mr. Sim. Greg, you want to say a little something about Thunder Agents? Uh, so this is uh, the surprise of, uh, of the day, because I don't think necessarily anyone saw this coming, but um, uh, Thunder Agents uh, is in fact coming over to IDW, um, uh, probably um, uh, starting early next year as far as um, when we'll have some announcements and, and, and talk about what the new series will be. Um, it's a property that I've loved since I was a kid. Um, of course, the, the classic Tower books were done by such legendary greats as uh, Wally Wood and Gil Kane and Steve Ditko, and, and um, uh, it's had an interesting, um, it's had an interesting past in terms of companies it's been affiliated with. Most recently, and very successfully, uh, of course, it was at DC, where Nick Spencer did some great things with the series. I thought, um, and um, uh, you know, as uh, as fairly well known, DC is really focusing its energies on its own great library of characters. Um, uh, this presented an opportunity for other publishers to potentially pitch ideas and. Uh, um, um, Work on um, work on some really great things. Um, Michael Uslan, who is the executive producer of all the Batman movies and has had a long, long affiliation in the comic book and, and entertainment industry, um, is helping uh, put this together on behalf of the Thunder Agents folk. Um, so we're looking forward to a, a lot of good, exciting things coming out of this um, uh, in 2013 and beyond. All right. Details forthcoming on Thunder Agents. The highway 
today is this is a new book by Mr. John Byrne. Uh, he's actually going to be doing three new titles in 2013. So the man, we published obviously a lot of things by John Byrne, but he continues to just be a machine. I mean, the stuff, the pages he turns in, they look as good as anything he did back in the days, you know, and uh, we couldn't be happier to be the home of John Byrne. There's a couple pages from the inside. All I know about this book is space truckers. But if it's burned, you know it's going to be good. Kill Shakespeare. I was actually just upstairs watching the uh, live reading of Kill Shakespeare, which was amazing. But uh, we are launching the sequel to Kill Shakespeare. It is called Kill Shakespeare Tide of Blood. I actually wanted them to call it uh, It's a Good Day to Kill Shakespeare. <laughs> they shot that down. They also shot down Kill Shakespeare again. Kill Shakespeare again. Kill Shakespeare's. There was a bunch of them. Uh, but the last series did great, and those guys are awesome, they're tireless promoters, and it's just a very cool concept. It's basically all of Shakespeare's characters come alive to kill him, essentially, in the most watered-down way to state it. So that's great, but because of that, and since we are going to have time for some Q&A, it looks like, anyone who can phrase their question in Shakespearean verse, <laughs> you're going to get a prize. We don't know what yet, but you will, so keep that in mind, the poets in the audience. All right, Greg, you want to talk a little bit about our artist edition program? You guys familiar with our artist edition? I'm, so, uh, the Joe Kubert Tarzan uh, just hit um, uh, retail, I think, about two weeks ago. Um, it's been, obviously, extremely successful and well-received, like a lot of our uh, titles. Um, the two that have just gone to the printer um, are the Gil Kane Spider-Man which um, is just absolutely fantastic and just really, you know, it's great for me to look at those books again, some of which I haven't really looked at since I was a kid um, collecting them. And um, Gil's take on Spider-Man, particularly his early issues, are, are really phenomenal. And I, I think um, uh, those of you that are fans are going to love the fact that we have a really long, continuous arc um, in, that, um, in that book. And the other book that went to press at about the same time um, is the Best of Man comics. Um, those of you that are Mad Magazine fans know that Mad started as, uh, as an EC comic and essentially saved EC and, and, and Bill Gaines and, and created a whole new business and a whole new world. And of course those early comics feature all the great talent that was associated with EC back in the day. So Harvey Kurtzman and Wally Wood and Brad Engels and et cetera, et cetera, the little Jack Davis and the list goes on and on. And uh, again, um, uh, we managed to find Scott Dunbeer, who's got really a, a nose for detective work in the original art world, um, really managed to find um, a lot of great, great things for that book. Um, pretty much all the, if you're a fan of material, all the great stories are, are pretty much there. Um, and all the great covers are there, um, including cover number one, which uh, we had to convince a fellow by the name of Steven Spielberg to let us scan using the book. So, um, uh, all, all, all good things. Um, uh, there's a few, obviously, that we have announced that we necessarily have not announced the date for. I am happy to say that um, uh, in early January, the Rocketeer reprint, which we already discussed um, at a previous convention, um, uh, will be ready to go. Um, that was our first book, and clearly we underprinted it, not knowing what the audience would be like for these types of books. So all the people that have been uh, really clamoring to get hands on, on Dave Stevens' beautiful art will we'll get that. Um, and then I'm finally happy to say that uh, a project we announced for last spring will come to fruition in the early part of 2013, and that will be Will Eisner's Spirit. I have to tell you, I've looked at about 90% of the book, there were still some stories being assembled and, and coming in. Um, this is the best of the best. 
you know, Will's run on, uh, on Spirit was prolific and long, um, and there are good stories and there are great stories, and we've got a lot of great ones. So uh, if you're a fan, uh, this will be a monster book for you. All right, I'm going to stay with you, Greg. I want you to tell us a little bit about the Library of America. So, Library of American Comics is a, um, a labor of, of passion for many of us, but its, it's driver, um, Pete Mullaney, um, has uh, it, it's just got an incredible ability to turn out high-quality books in, in multiple volumes, um, has, has really uh, continues to knock himself out in a way that just really is, is outstanding. Um, I think you've got a few of the samples up there, including our new Essential series, which is a slightly less expensive version um, with slightly less pages. Um, designed to really highlight a few classic strips that modern audiences might not be familiar with. And um, he's got a, a handful of uh, great strips in the essential dumps and Baron Dean and, and some other really uh, older, lesser known, but classic classic strips that have particularly influenced um, later um, strip creators and, and writers. Um, uh, we've got one really big announcement in Library of American Comics that I can't make today, but it's, it's fantastic. And we've got another one that I'm, I'm really waiting to get finalized that uh, I would look for in 2013. But uh, we, we really do want to be the home of, of great um, uh, strip publishing, and I think so far we've, we've proven that we are. Related news, Craig Yo. Yeah! Craig Yo, man, in a zombie outfit, no less. Craig, would be so pleased to see I already stay with me on that one too. Okay, your books, uh, another labor of love for many of us in the uh, in the office. Um, uh, Craig is a, a longtime fan, creator, designer, and um, just an outrageously interesting guy who has managed to uh, build in three years an, an incredible library of, of wonderful material. Um, he's obviously got an affection for uh, the old non-EC horror comics. Uh, he probably loves ECs as well, but these are obviously the non. Uh, you see the 50s, some of which were, were completely over the top, right? For those that didn't think Jaws and Crypt were not for wait, we've got more. Um, and so uh, Craig has not only done some great hard covers of some of these uh, titles, um, Zombie, The Bob Powell book, uh, Dick Freeper's Frankenstein, but he's also um, uh, just launched uh, Haunted Horror, which is a affordably priced, I think, a uh, reprint of uh, some of these great uh, classic stories of the 50s that um, uh, could be coming out. Um, okay. And there might be some other projects uh, very similar to that in the future. But, uh, you know, Craig's uh, uh, latest book, which should be right at the end of the year, the beginning of the new year, um, Comics About Cartoonists, uh, is incredible. And uh, I, I urge you to jot that down right now and, and say, I'm going to look for that when it comes out. Basically, he came up with a huge collection of all the greats over the years that had done stories that were essentially about comic book artists or about cartoonists. So, um, you know, it's the movie within a movie, except it's about, it's, it's, um, it's about those guys in there and Eisner and Kirby, yeah, it's a, it's a great, it's a great line. Excellent. Okay. That brings us to the end of that. So, we do have time for some Q&A. We've got a... Who's got a question for myself or Greg or any of these fantastic creators? Yes, please. Oh, I'm going to write it down. Right. Let me ask you. I think that's going to be an ongoing class of You get a prize. Let's see me after the thing. I can answer that somehow. <laughs> you do get a prize. I, I, I should have worked on this uh, while we were chatting. Uh, so, um, an ongoing classic Doctor Who, 
you know, the materials have always been a bit of a challenge, and obviously we have to restore and, and recolor them. So in, in ARCs, we've been able to do it, but an ongoing monthly that will continue on forever might be a bit more of a challenge. But I certainly, I guess the, the good optimistic answer is we will continue to do classic doctor whether or not we can do it monthly. Is. But the classic doctor as well, but we are doing the uh, next year's thing. That's, I think that's the only thing we've got. Yeah, that, um, you know, again, it, uh, Different licensors have sort of different um, points of view on, on how to uh, on how to maximize their brands, and um, you know we've asked to do some things on the classic doctors previously, and there um, uh, there's been I don't want to say the word resistance, but there's been logical reason from BBC's point why why they want to focus on the current doctors. So the reality is, I would expect this series to be a hit, um, and if we have good editorial ideas that can come out of it, um, I think you know. Oh, we've got a question. Let me ask you, think of the old classic Doctor Who strips. I used to really like the, uh, I think it's a lot of Pat Mills, Dave Gibbons, Steve Dillon oh, yeah. comics from, the, the, from the, the British run. Do you guys have the rights to Absalom Dark, Dalek Killer? Yeah? Because I don't know about you guys, I would write that shit for free. There you go. You know, there are, there are again some rights issues uh, over the years, and this happens with all licenses, uh, particularly those that are, that are really old. Um, agreements, contracts, relationships are not as um, clear as they could be, right, Adam? Right, right, okay. So, um, uh, so in any event, uh, the answer is we're always trying to do things that fans want. Whether or not we can, always remains to be seen. But by the way, IDW, um, even though there's no T in the IDW, uh, we are a tenacious bunch. So we don't give up this is true. I am for tenacious. Uh, there's a gentleman in the back wearing a baseball cap. Yes, that's you. Uh, I had a question. Are you doing anything else with the Fallen Angels series? Uh, you know what? It's funny you should mention that because uh, the question is are we doing anything with Fallen Angel? And the guy who painted Fallen Angel is sitting right over there, Mr. J.K. Woodward. I don't think there are plans currently, J.K. Do you know anything about them? Have you talked to Peter at all? Would you talk to Peter and get him on the other I would love to do another miniseries. But uh, I haven't. Uh, I haven't talked to him about it yet. I know he's always up for it. Yeah. That's why we're, we're talking about sequels now for uh, Doctor Doctor Who. So. Well, maybe you're saying you might be busy. Is that right? Yeah, I might be. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll bring that back to the office. I know, but uh, yeah, it's a great series. So uh, yes, sir. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, well, um, Joe Cold is a major character in the series. Hawk's been replaced by him uh, as a result of the Cobra Command storyline uh, from the, the earlier books. So yeah, Joe Cold, the original G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu uh, he is the leader. Even we were portraying him as kind of a celebrity general and sort of the Colin Powell, Petraeus, Eisenhower mold. And, and, and because he's so well known, he's supposed to guide the Joes into their new public role. But uh, Duke and the other Joes are not necessarily all keen on that. And so it's a, uh, it's a huge source of tension and storylines in the series. Uh, uh, I haven't seen uh, oh, I liked, uh, my favorite of all the, the film stuff is the, the Warren Ellis series, uh, Resolute, I believe it's called, which was terrific. And if you guys, that whole thing's up on YouTube, and you guys should see it if you get a chance. I, I, I'm, I, 
was inspired in a lot of designs that are actually coming out of the rest of the series. We do have audience mics available so we can hear your questions. Well, oh, okay. Yep. Yep. One on each aisle. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So there you go. You guys want to go stand in front of the mic and say, well, we still got time. But, you know, you can go ahead and ask me Oh, Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Actually, let me, let me really quickly just say contextually that, you know, IDW has grown exponentially in the last few years, and um, to do an hour panel, we were not able to talk much about Transformers and Turtles and Danger Girl and Rocketeer and <laughs> Ghostbusters and probably, you know, 10 other series that we didn't get a chance to talk about today. Um, but yes, there are, um, there are some wonderful things for um, Ninja Turtles in the works. Um, as there are, for frankly, all our brands. Um, I will say that the most exciting thing at this moment for Ninja Turtles is that we've gotten our advanced copies of the uh, Turtles Annual in our hands, which uh, Kevin Eastman uh, wrote and grew entirely and um, uh, got so excited about it, and you may have heard this, that it was originally going to be 48 story pages, and Kevin begged us to let him do 60, um, which we acquiesced and did. The book is phenomenal. It's, uh, I, I mean, honestly, it's, it, it's stunning. And I, I only, in, in comparison, uh, you know, being a long-term comic book person, I, I sort of only could, could picture if, you know, in 1976, when Jack Kirby had returned, or in 1975, to Marvel, if he had picked up Fantastic Four sort of right where he had left off and you went, holy crap, that's, you know, or even went back to some of the more peak issues, there's exactly the same feeling I had when I, when I looked at the annual. So that's, that's a most exciting thing in Turtles right now. Lots of, stuff, lots of stuff for 2013. Right. So now, I hope we're able to get to all of you guys. If we don't make it through all of you guys in the next 10 minutes, you can feel free to grab us out in the hallway and we'll help you with any Yeah, it's a lot calmer out there than it is up in the other room. So yeah, that's true. We'll that's true. But let's go ahead and get, let's start over here and we'll just go back and forth and see how many we can get through. Ask how any word on Young Busters, of course. On Young Witch? Young Ghostbusters. Young Ghostbusters. Or on Young Busters of Ghosts. The busters of Yon, but okay, well, first of all, you get a prize, because that was a good life I've seen. Uh, we got on that one? Uh, I, don't have, I don't have anything we're ready to announce yet, but we have something very, we, we have something very fun in the works. There you go. And uh, yes, gentleman in the red shirt, you ready? Uh, yeah. Nice gun shirt. Thank you. This is a question for all the writers on the panel. I think Mike, you've already sort of answered this, but what restrictions and what challenges do you have when you're working with an existing film or television property, uh, working with expectations of fans or the property owners? Who would like to tell you? You want to tell original stories and things like that, sure. Uh, well, I can tell you that on, on Doctor Who, they're, like, they're super strict at the BBC about, uh, about secrecy. Uh, I'm sure it's the same on Star Trek, too. Um, but yeah, they they... They don't tell us anything about where it's all going, um, so it's it that can be a little tough. They don't tell us what to write, um, but they don't, they don't tell me at least. I don't know what other people's experience has been like. Um, so sometimes it's a little bit like you're flying blind. You got to you know you write it and then you, you send it out, then you and then you wait for it to be approved, and they might knock it back because there's some restriction that you didn't know about. But they don't tell you the restrictions beforehand, so it's it's a little bit of a gamble. So far, it's actually worked out pretty well. We haven't really run into any roadblocks, but I'm just hoping we can have the series. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm betting that JM, this is one of the reasons you like to work on and uh, create our own projects. You know, I, I haven't done a lot of the license stuff. Years ago at Marvel, I did one Star Wars story that the Lucasfilm people cut out the part that was the essential point of the entire story. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually took my name off and put a goofy fake name on it. Uh -huh. So that story was credited to Wally Lombago. 
My favorite writers. I have no idea. That's great. Uh, okay, yes. So I just want to say first off that if you did an absent daddy with me on Dark Series, I would buy it in a heartbeat. So I just you know, I'm, I'm sorry, can you repeat that? If you did an absent series, like you said, Mr. Deagle, I would buy it in a heartbeat. He's going to write it for free and he's going to buy it for free. I don't know if you guys have heard of Absalom Dog. Economics are fantastic. If people haven't heard of Absalom Dog, I think he might have been in a Marvel UK Doctor Who comic, so the rights might be all tangled up. But basically, he was like Snake Plissken with a chainsword, uh, teleported into the heart of a Dalek Empire as a, as a form of capital punishment. Because, you know, being teleported into the heart of the Dalek Empire is basically suicidal. So he just fought his way through them and he kept deliberately throwing himself into more and more suicidal situations. Because he's such a tough guy, he kept winning. It was great. It was, it's like the opposite of Doctor Who. Doctor Who's all about, you know, lateral thinking and intellectual solutions to problems. Absalom Dark is about chopping them in half with a massive sword. <laughs> um, and so on to my question is um, provided Assimilation Squared is successful, provided a sequel is successful, um, JK, if you had uh, any choice of uh, what monsters this reminds the Star Trek or Doctor Who universe that they would face, uh, what would you choose? Uh, that's a tough one. It's something I thought about a lot. Uh, just, not just monsters, but, but pairings. You know, I, I would love to see the Sontarans and the Klingons together. Because um, that would be like an endless battle. They would just go at it until the end of time. So one of them is dead. Um, I, I like the idea of uh, assimilated Daleks. I actually did a painting of that, um, you know, just mixing the more technology with the Daleks. Um, like, like they needed to be more menacing, but, you know. Uh, <laughs> but I got the idea from Davros, too, because he already looks like a Borg in some sense, you know, so. Thank you. Um, and those two are the amazing Awesome. Thank you. All right. Yes, sir. Yeah, hi. Uh, I'm actually curious um, what uh, what the plans are for the Parker series, if the fourth, when the fourth book uh, is coming out and if he's going to do any more after that. Be bad. I hope it's so bad that nobody sees it and nobody knows. That would be my 
that, that would be my hope. I think we've only got a couple minutes here, so I would say probably the first two guys, unfortunately, on each side are the only guys. I'm sorry, but why don't you catch me right outside? Yeah, I'll be happy to wait for questions. Yeah, we'd be glad to. We want. I'm not sure who's next, but we don't want to. Nobody's nobody start pulling us off the stage. Not yet. That's true. Let's go. Maybe we can squeeze another couple. Yes, sir. I'll make it quick. I just have one really statement to make, and I've been collecting comics for a long time, over 30 years, and. Your company is the first one to really treat their franchises with respect and dignity. Wow. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. too. Catch me outside. <laughs> and I think you also have the perfect blend of veteran comic creators and of the comers like B.D. Cook and J.K., who are fantastic artists in their own right, and you give them the chance for the public to really see it. Well, that's right there. Just for that, I just want to say thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank and you are hired. <laughs> that's really great. And, and just to, to sort of comment on that, and I, and I honestly, I really do appreciate that. And everyone coming back to the office will really appreciate that as well. But our, our philosophy has always been, and, and always will be, that um, we, you know, don't do things you're not passionate about. Don't do things that the creators are not passionate about. I mean, and, and have some fun with it. And I'm glad, I'm glad you feel it, Joe. And, and now they're raising this on top of Yeah, they are raising the Okay, let's go live. So yeah, so that that's everything. Yeah, uh, just so, to wrap it up, uh, yeah. we are collecting for Toys for Tots. Yes. Uh, please go to www.starjoes.com. Donate the Republic credits. Those are U.S. dollars yes. or your currency. <laughs> uh, donate uh, freely, and all the collections from now until... Uh, December 1st, say, that's November 31st. Yeah. and December 1st, go to Toys for Tots. Yep. And we'll remind you in, in upcoming episodes as well, yeah. so this way you don't forget. So don't we'll be mad at us. We'll put it on Facebook we, and yeah. we'll tweet it. Don't be mad at us when we remind you. We're yeah. just, we're it's something we're passionate about. We want to yeah. make sure that uh, kids get toys because they deserve them. And, uh, and we can buy them. Right. <laughs> so with that, let me go ahead and give our information. You can find us at starjoes.com. That's where you can find the donate button. Yep. Uh, you can email starjoespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can uh, Twitter with us. It's at starjoespodcast. You can talk with us every day. It's uh, the comic or the comic forums. Wow, that's an old one. That's an old one. Uh, Retro that. The uh, forumforgeeks.com. Yeah. Uh, you can speak with us every day. Every day there. Uh, you can call us. Leave us a voicemail. It's four four zero nine four one Joes four four zero nine four one J O E S. You can leave us an iTunes review if you remember from last episode. If you leave us a review, you can tell us in the review something you want to say something nice about. Uh, and you can designate which one of us or both of us that has to say be, something. It could even be your business. Yeah. Say if something nice about... If you're a bakery, we'll talk <laughs> good about your cupcakes. <laughs> what about this? Let's throw this out there. If you want to promote something, uh, Kickstarter, if you want to promote whatever you're doing, donate to Toys for Tots. Yeah. And, and we'll promote it for free. And then tell us about it. Yeah. Tell us what you want us to promote. And we'll pip it. Um, but please leave us an iTunes review. We'd really appreciate it. We haven't had any in quite a while. Uh, I it think just helps it better with the show yeah, on iTunes. It gets I think more... July is the last time we got an iTunes review, possibly. Yeah, it just, it just helps out a lot. 
find us at uh, Geekcast Radio. You can also find us on Stitcher Radio, which is a free app for your mobile devices, and then you can find Star Joe's in there. Yeah. Stitcher Radio, the smarter way to listen. That's right. Think that's everything. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's a season of giving. Give till it hurts. Absolutely. So, uh, with that, we'll go ahead and close by saying the force will be with you because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, everyone. Yep. Hi, this is Jungle Recon from Action Figure Therapy. Now, certain members of the upper echelons of the United States military have asked me to record this important public service announcement for the benefit and safety of my fellow members in the armed services. And since it's either do this or face a court-martial for liberating that Bradley fighting vehicle and entering it into a new demolition derby at the Pierce County Fairgrounds last weekend, in which I may or may not have taken a third place until I was disqualified for blowing a .41 on a blood alcohol test. Anyway, let's have at it and get this over with. Reflective belts are the soldier in the foreign operating base resident's best friend. How the fuck are you supposed to say all this shit all in a goddamn row like that? Don't even fucking make no goddamn sense. It's all fucked up. Reflective belts are the soldier and the forward, uh, forward, forward, forward or forwarding. That's, it's a goddamn tongue twister, man. What the fuck? All right, here we go. <clears throat> We're going to do it this time. Reflective belts are the soldier and forward operating base resident's best friend. Here are 10 reasons why. Number one, they make a perfect impromptu launcher for which a launch Fuck you, I can't goddamn read this son of a bitch. I fuck hate you, voice. Fuck off. Number one, they make a perfect impromptu launcher for which to launch water balloons filled with camel urine at Al-Qaeda's and shit. Number two, they help Jesus spot you better from the sky but prevent him from seeing you when you masturbate. Number three, they're great for tucking your boner under whenever a group of lady soldiers goes jogging past you when you're out on patrol. Number four, when worn right, they make fat droopy titties look more supple and shapely. This is especially handy when serving overseas where alcohol might be frowned upon by the local customs. Killjoys. Number five. They make a handy bandolier for condoms, and their yellow color accentuates the gold full wrapping on magnums quite nicely in the moonlight. Number six. They're great for joining together to make impromptu barracks love swings. Number seven. Autoerotic asphyxiation. Google it. Number eight. You can twist them up and make yourself one attractive-looking thong for trips to the beach. Number nine, they're a great place to put advertising for online sponsors you might receive, such as GoldenPalace.com, the Adam and Eve Adult Catalog Supply Company, or Longhorn Steakhouse. Number ten, reflective belts are proven to be 100% effective at defending against and repelling small arms fire, mortar attacks, rocket-propelled ordnance, fat chicks on rollerblades, Dude rape, ninja attacks, zombie hordes, werewolves, gay vampires, gremlins, Bigfoot, UFO abductions, El Chipacabra, great white sharks, creepy little girls in horror movies, Jehovah's Witnesses, mimes, Rosie O'Donnell, that ShamWow guy, Sith Lords, Decepticons, whatever the fuck the dudes, uh, the GoBots fought were called, uh, goth kids, Teddy Twisters, Charlie Horses, Purple Nurples, you remember them? Hell yeah. Continental grip hand jobs and gingivitis. All in all, the reflective belt is the best friend a soldier can have. Tie your boner up with one. I mean, uh, put one on your body today. Hell yeah. <laughs>